Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Members of Congress expressed optimism Sunday about the prospects for reaching a deal to avoid the fiscal cliff. A fragile ceasefire between Israel and Hamas is entering its third full day, and both Israelis and Palestinians... Bottom line, Senator, if uh, the president nominates Ambassador Rice to be the next Secretary of State or some other... Supplementary question. Do you personally believe that gay people are born gay? Impact statement tonight, the Talking Points memo... Hot damn politics. 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 Hot damn these niggas won't hold me back. 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 The brain trust panel. Brain trust. Brain trust. Brain trust. Brain trust. Brain trust. Hot Rising past the Beatles, new records of gas. And the only safe place to live. 
the band played on. Eve of destruction, tax deduction, free effect of the collective. All club in the band, population on the hand. Suicide, too many bills, have been moving to the hills. People all over the world are shouting in the war. And the band played on. Let me hear, let me hear you, let me hear you. Hey, 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 can y'all hear me? We in the building for some hot damn politics. It is I says me. Now for TT, what's happening? Look, what I got to start to show off with tonight on this Wednesday night, we're going to get into um, a documentary just popped um, the other day. And because I, uh, you know, fuck around with some of these people, I got I was able to get a little exclusive uh, documentary it's called The Real Anthony Fauci, all right, um, made by Robert Kennedy Jr., or, you know, Bobby's son, who got popped back in the 60s. He's been a staunch advocate for um, vaccine courts. He's actually the reason why they have vaccine injury courts today because of the work that he did. Um, so he's always been, if they want to call him an anti-vaxxer, that's, yeah, then he will be labeled as such. But it's due because you got somebody who on the inside. I mean, he's a Kennedy. He comes from um, American political, um, if you want to call it royalty, those who've been on the inside, those, I mean, goddamn, they, they killed, uh, popped his daddy <laughs> and his uncle. So um, he understands the deep state, whether – you know, just just look at it objectively. That's how we're going to rock with this, right? We're going to um, do the first hour and some change with that. And uh, we got a lot to build on tonight. I be I have to talk about Kanye West because that is, you just, it has to be talked about. So we're going to talk about that tonight on top of other things. So um, I'm going to be quiet. We're going to get this um, Anthony Fauci thing on and popping. Um, try to give y'all an entire show tonight. But it might, well, we might not hit overtime because we got a lot of things to do in the AM. Um, but so let me stop talking. Let's pop right off into um, the real Anthony Fauci. You can look inside of the mansion, go to the mansion, and um, click on uh, my video if you want to watch it. Instead of just simply hearing it, you can watch it and hear it. All right, so here we go. in this mission. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. The dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweigh the dangers 
which are cited to justify it. This book is a product of my own struggle to understand how the idealistic institutions our country built to safeguard both public health and democracy suddenly turned against our citizens and our values with such violence. I am a lifelong Democrat whose family has had 80 years of deep engagement with America's public health bureaucracy and long friendships with key federal regulators, including Anthony Fauci, Francis Collins, and Robert Gallo. Members of my family wrote many of the statutes under which these men governed. They nurtured the growth of equitable and effective public health policies and defended that regulatory bulwark against ferocious attacks funded by industry. I built my own alliances with these individuals and their agencies during my years of environmental and public health advocacy. Quiet on set. Remember speed? But I also watched how the industry, supposedly being regulated, used its indentured servants on Capitol Hill and its financial clout to systematically hollow out those agencies beginning in the 1980s, disabling their regulatory function and transforming them into sock puppets for the very industry Congress charged them with regulating. I explore the carefully planned militarization and monetization of medicine that has left American health ailing and our democracy shattered. I chronicle the troubling role of the dangerously concentrated mainstream media. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. Big tech robber parents, the military and intelligence communities, and their deep historical alliance with Big Pharma and the public health agencies. The disturbing story that unfolds here has never been told, and many in power have worked hard to prevent the public from learning it. The principal character is Anthony Fauci. Master of Ceremonies for Event 201. Today's scenario is going to simulate meetings of a multi-stakeholder group called the Pandemic Emergency Board. This board has been urgently convened by the World Economic Forum. In October of 2019, you have a tabletop simulation that is sponsored by who? The funders, the Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins, School for Security, which is funded by NIH and Gates. The major hosts include not only Gates, but also April Haynes, who's the former deputy director of the CIA. So what is the CIA doing hosting a, uh, a, a simulation on public health? The CIA is not a public health agency. It is an intelligence agency that does not do public health. The line between disinformation and misinformation is not always an easy one to find. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be trying to um, control communication, but rather flood the zone. I've certainly seen the value of communicating constantly on these issues so as to continue to, to deal with, uh, you know, 
sort of the vacuum that can be created in this circumstance. All of the disinformation that will be put out, it's going to be important to actually have a response to those questions. There are also uh, intelligence sources identifying multiple foreign disinformation campaigns. Governments need to be willing to do things that are out of their historical perspective or for the most part, it's it's really a, a war footing that we need to be on. It can happen quickly. A Marshall-type plan, uh, you know, I don't mean to say that exactly, but a Marshall plan that can go into effect uh, can stimulate a change very quickly. The distrust relates to the health system more generally. A step up from the part of the government on enforcement actions against fake news. I think a couple of things we have to consider are, even before this began, the anti-vaccine movement was very strong. And this is something specifically through social media that has spread. So as we move forward, obviously trust in pharmaceuticals and government is very important at this moment. The simulation is a simulation of a coronavirus that has escaped and ends up killing 60 million people around the planet. The Chinese government knew of the escape of the virus by September 12, 2019. And curiously, who is there is George Gayle who was the head of the Chinese CDC. At that time, George Gayle almost certainly knew that coronavirus was circulating. Infected people got a respiratory illness with symptoms ranging from mild flu-like signs to severe pneumonia. The sickest required intensive care. Many died. It's spreading rapidly throughout local communities. International travel has turned local epidemics into a pandemic spanning the globe. There are now more than 30,000 reported cases. Experts warn this may be just the beginning of a global problem. More than half of the recognized cases have required hospital care, creating a huge strain on healthcare systems. The fatality rate is about 10%. Because it appears the virus is readily transmitted through the air from person to person, essentially all people are susceptible. Experts agree unless it is quickly controlled, it could lead to a severe pandemic, an outbreak that circles the globe and affects people everywhere. Two to four times more lethal than the 1918 influenza pandemic, the worst pandemic on record. Even so, some people only exhibit mild flu-like symptoms, not requiring treatment in a hospital. Alarmingly, those people are able to walk around and spread the virus, not realizing they are doing so. Even worse, international travelers have been arriving at their destination symptom-free, but within a matter of hours, becoming ill. Travel-related cases have blossomed into outbreaks in a number of locations and have quickly grown faster than health authorities could respond and contain them. I'm joined by immunologist Dr. Ivani Bello and Dr. Rhea Blakey, an epidemiologist, both highly respected in their field. Researchers are working on a vaccine. Even if we discover a good vaccine candidate, we're starting from scratch, and it takes time to test safety and efficacy. Typically, years. We simply cannot rely on these old timelines and processes. With enough money and political will, anything is possible. Our U.S. affiliate has just released polling results on public expectations for a vaccine. A majority of Americans expect a vaccine to be available within two months, and 65% of those polled are eager to take the vaccine, even if it's experimental. In related news, a significant demand for personal protective equipment, like N95 masks and gloves, are on the rise due to the pandemic. 
However, globally, hospitals are running low. Additionally, other critical medical supplies such as saline and antibiotics are dwindling. Countries and companies are reportedly stockpiling supplies, disrupting healthcare supply chains, causing dangerous shortages in many parts of the world. What you just witnessed were highlights from Event 201. This pandemic simulation exercise of the coronavirus took place about six weeks before the first illness from the coronavirus was actually reported in Wuhan, China. Now, this simulation also includes news reports, which were fabricated just for this exercise. A SARS-like virus, which has infected hundreds in China, has now reached the United States. Some of the city's biggest employers ordering workers to stay home. We have already started at the NIH and with many of our collaborators on the developing of a vaccine. I wasn't necessarily surprised when um, we started to see him in the national limelight. At the beginning of the pandemic, we really didn't know what it was going to be like and how to manage it and how infectious the, the virus was. And therefore, a lockdown made sense just to buy a little time to figure out what we should do, what policies we should make, what things needed to be mobilized in order to reduce risk of the infection and actually keep the epidemic as, as limited as possible. In comes Tony Fauci, the savior of the West, uh, promoting these actions, lockdowns, masking, etc. I think many of my fellow Democrats see him as this kind of, particularly during the early COVID pandemic, as this kind of avuncular, um, soothing figure who was a reassuring counterbalance. Donald Trump's anti-science, narcissistic bombast. See if there's any way that you can apply light and heat to cure. But I'm like a person that has a good, you know what. There was tremendous fear in our country that was orchestrated and generated by the press and by the medical cartel. When people get fearful, their capacity for critical thinking gets disabled. And the, you know, it's just a human inclination to look for reassurance and leadership from leadership authorities. This one that we looked up to in a time where we needed answers, at a time he has a cool, calm, you know, calmness to him, but very factual. It's called the Fauci effect. I mean, it's nice, but in an era of the normalization of untruths and lies, it's what I symbolize. Consistency for integrity, for truth. My impression from him, because I had already been dealing with him for 17 years, and I had a, a skepticism about him because I knew that he was the architect of agency capture within the public health agencies. With the vaccine, as I use it, I say, you know, help is on the way. It certainly is. But the fact that help is on the way should spur us even more to double down on some of the public health measures, the physical distancing, the universal wearing of masking, the staying away from crowds throughout the country. But we all thought we were going to die, that this thing was going to sweep through and devastate all of us, which became 
weaponized for lockdowns. It became weaponized as a rationale for massive infusion of fiat currency into the economy, for causing people to no longer be able to go to work, etc., etc. It became apparent after a while that the lockdowns are counterproductive. And in many ways, COVID restrictions were worse than COVID itself. And so we kept getting news updates. Well, the swimming pool is now closed down. The gym is now closed down. They used the, the, the sphere to create the justifications for implementation of all these abrogations of personal liberties and civil rights, so, such as shutting down businesses and causing them to get bankrupt. Tech companies have benefited massively from pandemic policies that make no medical sense, such as lockdowns such as not letting us shop in person, not letting us be educated in person, locking kids indoors. Amazon is up 20% net revenue in the last two years. Google is up 20 to 25% net revenue. Microsoft is up 20, 25% net revenue. Nintendo is up. All of them crafted or influenced lockdown policies that killed off human assembly, human commerce, human worship, human culture. And, and drove it all online. That it may interest you to know, you know, that all the most rigorous scientific studies have found that masks don't prevent transmission of respiratory viruses. Masks have essentially no benefit. N95 was developed to protect construction workers from dust. Dust particles are removed by those 95% effectively. Dust particles are thousands of times larger than COVID viruses, SARS-CoV-2, and, the, and it's like putting ping pong balls through a chain link fence. 95% of the time, they're just going to go straight through. Dr. Fauci started out by saying correctly that masks don't do any good against respiratory viruses. He said it on 60 Minutes in, in I think it was March of 2020. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And in saying that, for once, he was actually reflecting the scientific consensus, right? But then a couple months later, he completely flipped. Uh, the head of this Chinese CDC, George Gao, having said suddenly, everybody's got to wear a mask, right? Everybody in the West has got to wear a mask as in China. Then Dr. Fauci uh, Masks are protected. If you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The Academy of Pediatric actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is that right? I mean... <laughs> Then a couple months later, the World Health Organization shifted because they, too, had said correctly that masks don't do anything against respiratory viruses. But then they flipped. A dispute over a mask led to a woman being tased by a cop at a middle school game. Of course, no, it should have never come to this. What is your right to refuse and what is the law enforcement's ability to enforce and you have to have a mask on. Shoot me, people. You're going to shoot me for trying not to breathe? Cool. Come, Come on, on, dude. And there is Barack Obama dancing mm -hmm. uh, unmasked. He's been talking about the need to get a vaccine and all the other stuff.
I don't think he wants to break from the CDC. What's interesting is I haven't heard the CDC commenting about this yet. Tests are pretty magical, and they don't have much downside. People with masks, they give up their individuality. They give up rights as free human beings. You become really, it's the beginning of slavery. African-American slaves in America, they, many of them, they wore masks. I have called the masks to be the symbolic equivalent of the yellow star that I have to wear. It's a sign that you are not free, that you are lesser. All of this is happening only because people obey. I think masking really was a symbolic uh, signal, not only of obedience, but also that we all should maintain constant fear and that we needed to stay away from each other, from relationships and community. During my childhood, there were duck and cover trials. Duck and cover, just as you do in your school. We all know the atomic bomb is very dangerous. You will know when it comes. We hope it never comes, but we must get ready. We were, we were constantly drilled in school about what would happen when the Russians attacked us with nuclear weapons. We had to remove sharps from the table. We had to put our, our head on the desk when we heard the, the alarm sounding. If you were paranoid, you might feel that the purpose of that drill was to maintain this level of, of what Bob McNamara later called mass psychosis, you keep an entire population in fear by constantly reminding them that their lives are under attack. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh, disturbed me about the masking, what it was it was very reminiscent of that. If one wears a mask or one stays in a tiny room and fills up the room with virus and continues to rebreathe the virus, there is a real chance that one could make a mild illness more severe. It's called re-inoculation. We had gotten a call from Presbyterian Village saying one of the workers contracted COVID. And this was the characteristic pattern in 2020. Remember, the senior citizens in nursing homes, they weren't going out and getting COVID. They were sitting ducks. They were already locked down. And in fact, a worker gave COVID to my dad. We are hearing stories of patients going in the hospital, being locked down in isolation, never seeing their loved ones again, and then dying in the hospital alone. We don't get to eat dinner with them. We don't get to sit with holidays for them, Memorial Day, Father's Day, Mother's Day. When... COVID sort of broke out across the world. We started trying to learn as much as we could about the disease. You know, we saw it break out in, uh, you know, in Wuhan and then Lombardy in Italy and then Seattle and New York. I know someone in every ICU in New York City. And um, it became pretty clear what their main sort of uh, mechanisms of disease were. They were hyperinflamed. And they were clotting to a degree I've never seen before. Nurses were drawing blood. It was clotting in the syringe. And it was clear they needed blood thinners. When SARS-CoV-2 came to the U.S., predominantly in New York City, uh, patients were getting really sick. They were being admitted to the ICU. They were put on ventilators. And we know the mortality at that time, if you were ventilated in an ICU in New York, was close to 90%. 
was pointing out that I was seeing unprecedented mortality rates and we had to do something. But the, the general conservatism of medicine uh, was that no, because you might harm someone. It's hard to harm someone when they're dying at rates we've never seen them. They were clearly dying of undertreatment. Because of my efforts were being blocked and it was clear that I was not welcome, I resigned. What I did with my dad ultimately became the foundational principles of the McCullough Protocols. And the first thing I said is, open the windows. And why? Because we wanted ventilation. We wanted to reduce the viral density in the aerosol of the room. Fresh air was applied for centuries for other respiratory illnesses. Step two, the uh, Indian Medical Society for doctors had already mandated hydroxychloroquine as a standard to care once a week prophylaxis. Zinc 50 milligrams a day had a supportive role. Vitamin D 5,000 international units. Vitamin C 3,000 milligrams a day. Quercetin 500 milligrams twice a day. By July of 2020, there had been nine studies of clinical trials, not randomized, of hydroxychloroquine, some by itself, some used with azithromycin and zinc and, and so on. Every one of those studies showed benefit. The totality of those studies, all analyzed together, showed about a 50% reduced risk of hospitalization and a 75% reduced risk of mortality. Now, these studies are all studies of outpatients, people who get COVID and are treated within the first five or six days, or they started treatment within the first five or six days. It was a very clear set of data, about as clear as one could ever hope to get. And yet, Fauci's in the Oval Office saying this is a game changer. And next thing you know, everybody in the country is starting to give it. Supplies are starting to fill hospitals, and they're all giving it. That the data shows that remdesivir has a clear-cut, significant, positive effect in diminishing the time to recovery. This will be the standard of care. When I was looking at this data with our team the other night, it was reminiscent of 34 years ago in 1986 when we were struggling for drugs for HIV. And we did the first randomized placebo-controlled trial with AZT which turned out to give an effect that was modest, but that was not the end game because building on that every year after, we did better and better. There's a novel pathogen and Fauciism always dictates that for some strange reason, you throw the most toxic drugs imaginable at it and you make one of them the kind of reigning king of treatment. Back then it was AZT, now with COVID it's remdesivir, with no feeling or regard or apprehension about the toxicity, while at the same time vilifying, persecuting, creating a, a whole culture of disinformation about treatments that are older, like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, that doctors in droves are saying is curing people, is getting people out of the hospital, is ending this it's sickness in a matter of days, if not hours. And I, I have to point out, I am severely troubled by the fact that the NIH, the FDA, and the CDC, I do not know of any task force that was assigned or compiled to review repurposed drugs in an attempt to treat this disease. Everything has been about novel and or expensive pharmaceutically engineered drugs, things like remdesivir and vaccines. 
And the first time I got a call from Senator Johnson's chief of staff that I heard a, a, a U.S. senator wanted to talk to me because he'd come across our website. He'd come across our protocols. Ivermectin did not come into our protocol until much, much later. So it was October of 2020. Suddenly, we started to see the trials around ivermectin consistently positive in this very large magnitude, and it was coming from different centers and countries around the world. We were talking to doctors. Doctors were reaching out to us, and he was kind of inspired that he saw some doctors that were putting out treatment guidance when the government was doing nothing. My entry into the COVID arena, you can say, um, came about when I saw Pierre Corey's testimony to the State Senate in December 2020. I only saw it on the 26th of December, and I prepared a rapid review and submitted it to the UK authorities on, I think it was the 4th of January. I also sent it to colleagues at the World Health Organization and asked them to pass it on to the COVID team at WHO. And when I didn't get a response by the 7th of January, what's reasonable in, in a public health emergency, and that is to disseminate information in whatever means possible. Um, and so I did a video appeal to the UK Prime Minister. Dear Prime Minister, my name is Dr. Tess Laurie, and I'm the Director of the Evidence-Based Medicine Consultancy in Bath. I have recently authored a report called Ivermectin for Preventing and Treating COVID-19, a rapid review to validate the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance's conclusions. The good news is that we now have solid evidence of an effective treatment for COVID-19. It is called ivermectin. In connection with its findings, I sent an urgent correspondence to Mr. Hancock and other members of Parliament on Monday the 3rd of January. Unfortunately, I have not yet had a reply, and due to the urgent implications of the report, I'm trying to reach you via this video. Please may we start saving lives now. I was invited to give a lecture at an international conference on ivermectin. And on the third day, a doctor named, a, a, a PhD named Andrew Hill gave a lecture and said that he was from the WHO. And I reached out to him and Andy and I became very fast and close colleagues. And he was as taken with the data as we were. I was introduced to Andrew Hill by Dr. Pierre Corey in that uh, first week of January. He had been working with Pierre Corey to present the evidence to the NIH that week. Pierce said, you know, you really must meet him. He's the WHO consultant working on ivermectin. And Andrew Hill agreed to be on the team with us. But then that weekend, his own review was published on a preprint server. Now, this was a great cause for concern because it was clearly rushed. It was very poor quality with, with all these, these obvious flaws. I emailed him and I said, Andrew, this is going to cause immeasurable harm. Please retract this review and let's talk. I can help you correct these errors. I'm in a very sensitive position here. I, what I'm trying to do... Whose conclusions are those on the review that you've done? Who's, who's, who's not listed as an author? Who's actually contributed? Well, I mean, I don't really want to get into... I mean, it, it, I think it needs, be, it needs to be clear. I would like to know who... Who are these other voices that are in your paper that are not acknowledged? Unistate has a say in the conclusions of the paper, yes. Do they have a say in, in your conclusions? Yeah. 
with the FDA regulations is predicated by the fact that there's no effective alternative therapy. So if ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were declared uh, effective treatment for, for SARS-CoV-2, it would have invalidated the vaccine. The vaccines would not have been allowed to get an EUA. The suppression of early treatment through the press and through various government outlets, including the FDA, is a crime. We have a significant unnecessary burden of loss of life due to the withholding of early treatments, including treatment with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. It has caused unnecessary human death. We're so sort of hypnotized by those names, the New York Times, CNN, this is CNN. We're, we're mesmerized by that uh, based on their long records as widely recognized, authoritative, reputable news sources. There was that amazing uh, face-off between CNN and Joe Rogan when some of their lying heads had said that he was taking horse pace. To have individuals like Joe Rogan, for example, who, uh, who don't want to take an experimental vaccine but will take horse dewormer. Rogan telling his 13 million Instagram followers that he was treated with several drugs, and he included ivermectin on the list, a drug used for livestock. Joe Rogan, uh, he came down with COVID, he says. He says he's been taking the uh, livestock dewormer uh, ivermectin. That was a an attempt to take him down and to misrepresent ivermectin. And he fought back because that's in his nature. Does it bother you that the news network you work for out and out lied, well, outright lied about me taking horse dewormer? Calling it a horse dewormer is not a flattering thing. I get that. It's a lie. It's a lie on a news network. You're working for a news organization. If they're lying about a comedian taking horse medication. What are they telling us about Russia? What are they telling us about Syria? Do you, know, do you understand that that's why people get concerned about the veracity of the news? The reliability of the media, a recent poll that says it's almost at an all-time low. We should look at news sources that are outside of this matrix of treachery because it's there in order to accept advertising and lobbying money from established corporate sources, which means it has to operate compliantly and in alliance with the government. So you're not going to get honest information from those sources. So they kept saying ivermectin is a horse pace. Well, when he got, it's of course it's not. It's a, it's kind of a miracle drug, and uh, they were even thinking it could cure cancer before COVID happened. And uh, then COVID happened, and then they had to demonize it right away because it's cheap. Nobody can make money off ivermectin. It's a generic, and so the company that invented it, Burke, they can't make money off it because now anybody can make it. There is an alternative media. That is true. It is something that has emerged very suddenly and recently, right? Joe Rogan represents that. Uh, Jimmy Dore represents that. Uh, podcasters have basically filled the breach that's been left by the left press. There will always be some outlets, I think, that, that uh, try to tell the awful truth. And we learned something else about COVID. One day the test is positive. The next day the test is negative. A week later the test is positive. A week later the test is negative. So is a PCR test not a good barometer either? Yeah, that is a very good question. It's pretty obvious if you 
look objectively at the data that the CDC has totally manipulated this pandemic, and they did it from day one. One of the most egregious examples of this is the test that they, the very test they use to diagnose a case or someone who's infected with the virus. There's, the test was a PCR test, and it amplifies the amount of agent that you want to check for. Kerry Mullis was the inventor of PCR. He was not the inventor of the PCR test. There is no test for either AIDS or COVID. As Carrie Mullis said, it doesn't test for anything. It finds what you tell it to find. And he always said, that doesn't tell you whether you're infected with anything. It doesn't tell you whether you're likely to get sick from anything. It doesn't tell you anything. And the overwhelming data about PCR tests and COVID shows that there is a shoddy, at best, correlation between positive PCR tests and disease outcome. So why did they use PCR for COVID? I mean, how can people actually tell if they are contagious in the cycle of having COVID? How do you measure that if not with either a yeah. PCR test or an antigen test? And I think that's the, the understandable confusion that people have about testing. Testing saying whether you're infected or not versus are you infected plus transmissible? COVID began in China as a pneumonia. And for some reason, we were reading in the papers that something like 53 people in Wuhan, China had some kind of novel pneumonia they hadn't seen before. And because I'm alert to propaganda, I, I got very anxious. So why are we reading about pneumonias in China? We don't ever read about pneumonias in China. Why are we reading about these? In the first week in January, I got a call from Michael. He's a former DARPA project officer, and literally he is our top expert in gain-of-function research and has been so for years and years and has long been deeply embedded as one of our top biodefense slash biowarfare experts who was in Wuhan at the time in the first week in January. And he warned me, he said, Robert, you need to get your team spun up because we've got a problem. This coronavirus looks like it's gonna be a major issue. And my question is, have you seen anything at this point that gives you a high degree of confidence that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the origin of this virus? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And I think that the World Health Organization should be ashamed of themselves. The Fauci emails themselves, as I understand it, it was involved in trying to cover up origins of COVID and trying to say it was a zoonotic origin, and there's no way the lab leak uh, theory had any credence to it. At 2.47 in the early morning of February 1st, 2020, four hours after his loyal grantee, virologist Christian Anderson, informed Dr. Fauci that he and other leading biologists believed that the genetic sequence was highly unlikely to be the product of natural selection. Dr. Anthony Fauci fired off a carefully worded email to Catlin. Dr. Fauci's other emails from that evening suggest that he was intensely worried that the Chinese experiments that may have created this striation in the novel coronavirus would bear his fingerprints. I first heard about this amazing story concerning the use of burner phones by Jeremy Farrar, Tony Fauci, and Francis Collins 
right after the initiation of the outbreak from the memoir that Jeremy Farrar, who's the head of the Wellcome Trust, one of the largest sources of funding for British biotechnology and vaccine development. Why Farrar was in that loop, I infer is because he had some role in providing the funding to the Wuhan Laboratory Institute of Virology that had been involved in that research. He disclosed in his autobiography that he and Tony and Francis Collins had used burner phones to avoid any trail that would be able to document their conversations immediately after the initiation of the outbreak. And he spoke about that in the context of talking about their fears and collusion in trying to cover up what they knew about the work that had gone on at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The U.S. intelligence agencies now believe that the Chinese knew that the virus had escaped from the Wuhan lab by September 12th. And it probably escaped sometime in late August, early September. But on September 12th, the military went into that lab at night and they changed the leadership of the lab. They took 22,000 coronavirus samples and removed them and they've never been seen again. They removed mention of many of the gain-of-function studies from the public-facing websites. The intelligence agencies in the U.S. and Great Britain and Europe, they call the five eyes. The Western nations who all share intelligence with each other all had deep involvement, not only in funding these studies in the Wuhan lab, but also in the cover-up of protecting the, the countermeasures and, and protecting the Wuhan lab against nosy investigations. In August of 2020, I gave a speech to the Peace and Justice Rebellion in Berlin. I estimated crowds were about a million democracy advocates. There were people from every nation in Europe and every color of the rainbow, and they came together to demand the return of their, their constitutional and human rights. The only thing a government needs to make people into slaves is fear. Immediately after that, the German intelligence agencies and the British intelligence agencies announced that they were considering vaccine hesitancy a form of terrorism and that they were unleashing their cyber warfare arsenal on people in foreign countries who they consider vaccine hesitant. It's illegal for the CIA to spy on American citizens in this country, but the way that the CIA has always gotten around that stricture is by outsourcing the spying on U.S. citizens to the Five I nations like Great Britain and Germany with whom they share the intelligence. So they don't have to spy on, you know, us. They can get the Brits and the Germans to do it, and then they can get the intelligence that way. And it's disturbing that, um, you know, that people are simply questioning government policies, important government policies that affect the health and well-being of of millions and millions of American children and adults are treated as enemies of the state. There's this very famous uh, French uh, microbiologist uh, and clinician, Didier Raoult, who actually published you know, some of the earliest data showing the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine. 
uh, hydroxychloroquine is effective against the multiplication of four different species of coronavirus uh, in cells, uh, that may be a very good uh, candidate to treat the patients. Important that not only it works on patients, but also that uh, there was a clearance of the virus in four days. But again, you know, this was going against the narrative. Previously, hydroxychloroquine was available over the counter in France to, to censor him and silence him. This was removed from over the counter. Propaganda always entails censorship. It must. Because propaganda, again, does not seek to persuade. It seeks to push you. Uh, to jolt you into a particular point of view. So it doesn't try to make arguments. It, it doesn't uh, try to make a reasonable case. It, it doesn't use reason at all, actually. It tends to be a kind of almost neurological manipulation. Now, because propaganda doesn't tolerate argument, it always entails extremely rigorous censorship of the counter-narrative. It must be vilified, it must be condemned, it must be blacked out. Will you provide a list of every website and hashtag that Facebook content moderation teams have discussed banning on the task platform? I would be happy to follow up with you or your team uh, to discuss further how we might move forward on that. But Will you commit to providing the information you have logged on the task website about content moderation that your company has undertaken? Yes or no? Senator, I think it would be better to, to follow up once I've had a chance to discuss with my team what any uh, sensitivity around that would be. We could, of course, subpoena this information, but I'd much rather get it from you voluntarily. But I think let everybody take note that, that Mr. Zuckerberg has now repeatedly refused to provide information that he knows that he has and has now acknowledged. Just to clear up one point, I mean, my understanding is that these vaccines do not modify your DNA or, or RNA. Um, so, so I think that that's, that's just an important point to, to clarify. If I'm getting anything yeah. wrong here, of course, correct me, but, um, no, no, no. but, but just to, to make that clear. I share some caution on this because um, we just don't know the long-term side effects of, of basically modifying people's um, DNA and RNA to, um, to directly code in a person's DNA and RNA, basically the ability to, to, to produce uh, those antibodies and whether that causes other mutations or other risks down, uh, downstream. But the real kicker is right here in the policy where Facebook says it would remove any content that, quote, claims the COVID-19 vaccine changes people's DNA. Dr. Fauci collaborated with Mark Zuckerberg. There were emails between them, and this is a complete conflict because Facebook is invested in the vaccines. Google is invested in the vaccines. They have a conflict of interest. Microsoft makes the vaccine passports. And yet Dr. Fauci, who's not supposed to be coordinating health policy with for-profit stakeholders who have a conflict of interest, he was taking input and apparently aligning his message with what these tech bros wanted to have happen. In 2020, many of the Gates, Fauci, HIV vaccine trials in Africa suddenly became COVID-19 vaccine trials as the unprecedented tsunami of new COVID-19 plunder began flowing through Dr. Fauci to the same disciplined legions of the virology cast. 
the one size fits all approach to um, solving the problems of poverty and disease is a failed approach. Poverty is the result of a complex uh, conspiracy of economic factors, of cultural factors, of food production, of political issues, and, uh, and governance issues. The idea that you can come in with a technological intervention and solve the problems of human poverty is, is a dangerous myth. And one of the, you know, the great injuries that I think that Tony Fauci and Bill Gates have perpetrated is steering the World Health Organization away from its traditional concerns with economic development, with agriculture, with local governance and, and education, those holistic issues of developing locally rooted solutions to local problems of poverty and health and steered the WHO toward kind of a single preoccupation with vaccines. And we're taking things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. The, the, the Bill Gates apparatus, they're worse than colonial powers because the colonial powers at least built some infrastructure that was useful and helpful. And pharmacolonialism specifically is you will have nothing to say about how to treat illness in your country. That will be dictated by us. And once we've put our dictatorship into your country, your country is effectively invaded in a sense. It's colonized by us. And I saw that when I crossed Africa, that there were CDC vans, and wherever they had shown up, went to the top of each government, not hard to do, corrupted the government. One of my email contacts uh, told me that in his the town where he was from in, in Zambia, hydroxychloroquine is over the counter, and yet it had disappeared from the shelves, that somebody came in and bought up all of the hydroxychloroquine. You have to understand that in, in Africa, hydroxychloroquine is an anti-malarial. It's used to for malaria, it's called Sunday Sunday because it's taken once a week. You know, Sunday is a typical day. It's like a, a vitamin virtually in, in those countries. And yet suddenly it disappeared off all, all the shelves and there were bonfires outside of the town. The wait is now finally over for the people of the United States. And according to the authorities, the first phase of the highly awaited Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine rollout is all set to start from Monday onwards. So the U.S. Army General Gustav Perner, who is currently acting as the Chief Operating Officer of the government's Operation Warp Seed program, said on Saturday that the first shots of the vaccine campaign will be administered as early as Monday morning. We expect 145 sites across all the states to receive vaccine on Monday, another 425 sites on Tuesday, and the final 66 sites on Wednesday, which will complete the initial delivery of the Pfizer orders for vaccine. So the first thing you might want to say to my African-American brothers and sisters is that the vaccine that you're going to be taking was developed by an African-American woman. Purely on after the vaccine rollout began, we began to see a wave of deaths, particularly in senior citizens and elderly, who were the first people to get the vaccine. And one of these deaths was Hank Aaron, who I knew was, you know, the MLB superstar. 
There's a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. And Hank Aaron did a press conference at CDC's urging in Atlanta, which is the home of CDC. He did a press conference in which he got the vaccine on TV telling African-Americans, you need to do what I do. The vaccine is safe. Here, I'm going to take it in front of you. Well, 17 days later, he died. And I wrote an article saying his death is part of a wave of deaths that we're seeing in elderly after vaccination. I didn't say that his death was caused by the vaccine because I can't say that. Scientifically, I didn't have the information to be able to say that, but I could say with certitude and scientific certainty that his death was among many deaths that were being reported immediately after vaccination. Well, I was attacked by CDC and by the New York Times and USA Today and all of the television networks and news organizations around the world. Now, remember, the NFL has a vaccine mandate. Aaron Rodgers develops COVID-19. Wait a minute. You took the vaccine. He's like, no, I didn't. I didn't take the vaccine. I got COVID. He got the McCullough protocol. He goes on with Pat McAfee. I got the McCullough protocol. I got through it. Thanks, Dr. McCullough. And it's revealed he hasn't gotten the vaccine. And why? Because he's concerned about myocarditis. And Cole Beasley for the Buffalo Bills, same thing. And Kyrie Irving plays in New York for basketball same thing. So we have player after player coming out saying, listen, I am worried about myocarditis. And then you see the array of damage. senior is in the hospital after collapsing on the tennis courts. Breaking new details on the deaths of a high school soccer player. Finland, Denmark star man Christian Eriksson collapsing towards the end of the first half. The Kennedy High community mourning tonight after one of their high school football players died. A South Carolina high school football player has died after collapsing at football practice. Star college basketball player collapsing on the court. We want to warn you, the video may be difficult to watch. Florida Gators star Keontae Johnson collapsing during the game. A West Catholic high school student has died after collapsing during a football scrimmage. On mile eight, she suddenly felt fuzzy and blacked out. 17-year-old Ryan Jacobs' heart stopped. Unexpectedly collapsed on the field. Megan went into cardiac arrest. Collapsing during Friday night football game. This is a gigantic experiment they were doing on the entire world's population. It's never been used before in humans. The side effects for the Moderna vaccine sound concerning. We looked. After the second dose, at least 80% of participants experienced a systemic side effect. So are these vaccines safe? Well, the, uh, the FDA not being pressured will look hard at that. The FDA is the gold standard of regulators uh, and their current guidance on this 
they stick with that is is very, very appropriate. They have been working on this technology for a long time, but they've had a lot of problems with it. They haven't been able to get it to where it can work. It's too toxic. And they see this as a tremendous opportunity. And Fauci sees it. Bill Gates sees it. They've been heavily vested in this mRNA technology as a, a new revolutionary concept in biology, in medicine. When you woke up this morning, did you know you were going to be receiving the vaccine? I did, yes. So, you know, all of my staff... Um, we are excited to get the vaccine, you know. Um, I'm sorry, I'm feeling really dizzy. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. The mRNA vaccines work by taking genetic material in the vaccine that's encapsulated in a little microscopic particle and having that particle infect your cells. And that means that it, the particle is transferred from the outside of your cells to the inside. So it uses your cells, your body, to complete the vaccine manufacturing. It's completed by your body's genetic machinery and not the, the manufacturer's. The mRNA that I was working with and the inventions that I came up with are fundamentally different from what's being used in the current product in that I was producing what is close to being a natural RNA. What's being used in the emergency use authorized products from Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech are not natural RNAs, uh, so they are related to what I'd originally envisioned, but also different. And those differences seem to have contributed to the risks and toxicities. Messenger RNA is made by our cells every single day. It's made by our DNA. And what messenger RNA does is it's a delivery of a recipe. The DNA has a recipe that it writes on the messenger RNA, because remember, it takes messages. So it has a recipe on the front of it that says, make this protein for healing this muscle. And the messenger RNA then goes over to the ribosomes, which is the factory, and it reads the, the recipe on the front of the messenger RNA and creates the protein, which then goes out into the body and goes over to the muscle that's been injured and hurt and, and repairs it. That's normal DNA, messenger RNA, that happens every day, every minute in our cells all day long. One of the fascinating and terrifying things we've seen over the last two years is that there have been more injuries and deaths reported from COVID shots in the official VAERS system, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, than for all vaccines combined over the last 30 years. All the vaccines, hepatitis, measles, polio, DPT, you name it. There have been more injuries and more deaths in the last two years from COVID shots. In September of 2000, when I started investigating problems associated with vaccines, there were about 8,000 VAERS reports per year. The last time I looked before COVID, it was about 35,000 reports per year. And if that's somewhere between 1% and 10% of actual injuries, we could be talking about somewhere between 350,000 and 3.5 million people who are actually injured and were unfamiliar with filing a VAERS complaint. There are a number of reasons that it's underreported. It's a very cumbersome system. It's difficult to use. It's difficult to get data in. And 
it takes time and clinicians are reluctant to put data into into the VAR system. So there should be a much more proactive system where the, the federal government, if they were interested, would more closely track the adverse events related to uh, these uh, vaccines. Dr. Fauci's refusal to fix the Health and Human Services Department's notoriously dysfunctional vaccine injury surveillance system, VAERS, constituted inexcusable negligence. HHS's own studies indicate that VAERS may be understating vaccine injuries by over 99%. The VAERS um, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System uh, tells me that there has been a lot of very bad side effects. The initial safety uh, study, Mark, is to see if I inject it in the arm, does it have some sort of idiosyncratic or bad reaction? I had my COVID jab on the, on the 17th of March. That left me with seizures and I was paralyzed. It's left me with tick attacks. Got my COVID vaccine, Pfizer, on Monday. And Thursday, I have those policies. There's another element to safety, and that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. I'm so scared. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. There was the history of the respiratory syncytial virus vaccine in children, which paradoxically made the children worse. One of the HIV vaccines that we tested several years ago actually made individuals more likely to get infected. If you take it and then a year goes by and everybody's fine, then you say, okay, that's good. Now let's give it to uh, 500 people. And then a year goes by and everything's fine. They say, well, then now let's give it to thousands of people. And then you find out that it takes 12 years for all hell to break loose. And then what have you done? University is requiring all students and workers to get vaccinated and verify the status of their booster vaccination by the date of January 21st. Tomorrow, you have to show proof you're vaccinated and you can't eat indoors at Philadelphia restaurants and bars. Big changes ahead for restaurants and many other businesses in Chicago beginning tomorrow. The vaccination mandate goes into effect. If you want to eat out or work out in three suburbs, you have an extra week before you need to flash that vax card. Please get vaccinated. My daughter took that shot yesterday in Las Vegas and she's dead. She took the Pfizer vaccine and she's dead. Given the fact that we now have the virus in our hands, it is quite possible, in fact, it's invariable, that we will develop a vaccine for AIDS.
Fauci's reign begins in 1984. Everything changes in 1984. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Robert Gallo held a press conference in which it was declared by the U.S. government that the U.S. government had found the cause of AIDS at the National Cancer Institute where Gallo worked. The probable cause of AIDS has been found, a variant of a known human cancer virus. And that it was to be called human immunodeficiency virus, HIV. The same year, 1984, Fauci becomes the director of the NIAID. This saw the rise of Dr. Fauci to his current stardom. I would like to introduce Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases since 1984. Dr. Fauci understood that he could basically save his government agency by defining AIDS as an infectious disease. His agency within the NIH is all about the study of what allergies and infectious diseases. And infectious diseases were kind of on the way out uh, because they'd mostly been conquered by the time uh, you know, Fauci came along needing to reopen the spigot of funding for his agency and his allies in big pharma. Mr. President and commissioners, that it is clear that very soon, certainly within this calendar year in the United States, we will be doing early phase one testing for safety in vaccines. We have NIH-funded, federal government-sponsored vaccine evaluation units. It's a good collaboration between industry, the federal government, and academia. What's not known to most people and would be surprising to many, not all, is that Dr. Fauci and others at the NIH are in partnership. They have patents, pharmaceutical patents, and they're in partnership with the companies. Their official job is to serve the public interest. But that has been sort of set aside, brushed away as if that's only a formality. The 1985 Dole Act allowed NIAID and Dr. Fauci personally to file patents on hundreds of new drugs that his agency-funded PIs were incubating and then to license those drugs to pharmaceutical companies and collect royalties on their sales. My uncle, Teddy, deliberately and purposely brought in as his chief administrative aide, Terry Byrne, who was the first openly gay administrative aide on Capitol Hill. He was also the first openly HIV-infected administrative aid on Capitol Hill. And this was very controversial at that time because people were terrified of being exposed even to people who they believed were maybe infected with HIV. Think about it. Here we had this new disease that you could have without being aware of it. This gave rise to media scare stories about getting AIDS from toilet seats and stuff like that. The public seems to have a tough time in separating facts from fiction. Can children contact AIDS by drinking fountains? I would like to know if you can contact AIDS by kissing, touching, or just being around someone that has the disease. Well, as you know, there have been reports that the virus can occasionally be found in saliva. And in New Jersey, officials say that they will allow school superintendents to suspend students, teachers, or other staff who are suffering from AIDS. There is considerable talk about mandatory reporting of all AIDS cases 
and required blood tests, and much agonizing over the question of quarantine. So, for example, if, if the close contact of a child is a household contact, perhaps there will be a certain number of cases of individuals who are just living with and in close contact with someone with AIDS, but just the ordinary close contact that one sees in normal interpersonal relationships. If that's the case, then indeed the implications for the spread to even other groups besides infants and children become something that needs to be reckoned with. So I think it is going to have a major impact on our thinking about what the real confines of the syndrome will be. And when I say Anthony Fauci is essentially a social engineer, I mean that. Because what he does, he re-engineers how people think of human contact, touch, intimacy. You know about pregnancy. Mm-hmm. You know how I feel about responsibility. Yes. How much do you know about AIDS? We have a long way to go to fight against HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. HIV is spread by sharing needles and through sex with an infected person. When it came to sex, Cindy was the life of the party. She went from one partner to another, until one day she met a partner who'd stay with her for the rest of her life. AIDS. Don't experiment with sex. If you do use a condom, for being the life of the party could be the death of you. The scourge of AIDS is fast becoming the most socially charged health issue of the decade. What you see there is a kind of, I would say, almost like an earthquake moment in, in, in time. In American culture, biology, virology, politics, everything. It was a disease that was so horrendous and terrifying that it, it necessitated people staying away from each other. No more sexual contact, no more casual sexual contact. Not only sex, all forms of human contact. And now all of a sudden, as though a switch has turned, now it represents death and potentially murdering somebody that you love. I mean, these are really radical ideas and very dark ideas. Given the, the long incubation period of this disease, we may be starting to see, as we're seeing virtually as the months go by, other groups that can be involved. And, and seeing it in children is really quite disturbing. It used to be that Anthony Fauci, Robert Gallo, and all of them told the American people, if you test positive today, you are probably going to die within six months to a year. Then it became three years, then it became five years, then it became 10 years, and they kept stretching it and stretching it. You needed to be tested in order to know that you have it, and you needed to be tested with PCR technology. Does sound familiar? Uh, its inventor, Kerry Mullis, was beside himself with anger that it was being used to diagnose uh, people with HIV, which was then supposed to lead inexorably to AIDS, he spoke out against this at the time. Guys like Fauci get up there and start talking. You know, he doesn't know anything really about anything. And I'd say that to his face. Nothing. The man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope, and if it's got a virus in there, you'll know it. He doesn't understand electron microscopy, and he doesn't understand medicine, and should not be in a position like he's in. He repeatedly said, including on tape, you should not use the PCR test to diagnose clinical infection with viruses. He repeatedly said that. What are we doing? 
using the PCR test to distinguish clinical diagnostic tests with viruses. They've got a personal kind of agenda. They make up their own rules as they go. They change them when they want to, and they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people who pay his salary and lie directly in his camera. When uh, Bob Gallup proved that it was the etiologic agent in 1984, we had a, a diagnostic test approved by the FDA in 1985. And that was really quick, from literally less than a year from the time that it was shown to be the virus that causes this disease. My mentor as a young undergraduate actually traveled with Bob Gallo to the Pasteur Institute and met with Luc Montagnier and uh, brought back uh, their DNA isolate uh, that could be used to produce the AIDS virus. Luc Montagnier sent a biological sample, let's just say, to Robert Gallo for his feedback in 1983. Robert Gallo famously held those demonstrably same proteins up at the press conference where he declared that HIV had been found in his lab and was the cause of AIDS. Credit must go to our eminent doctor, Robert Gallo. A massive battle ensued. I went over to Montagnier afterwards and I said, I can't find a uh, reference. Like, who? I can't find a reference to go with the statement, HIV is the probable cause of AIDS. I, I'm sure you can help me. But he said, why don't you use the NIH, like the, the CDC report? And I said, well, I looked at that, and that was not a scientific paper. And the people standing around, by the way, who were his colleagues there, looked at him like they were thinking he should come up with a better answer, but he couldn't. Luc Montagnier was always an interesting figure and always a thorn in the side of the orthodoxy. HIV by itself, or some strains of HIV, are not sufficient to induce AIDS. Even from the beginning, actually. We, we thought maybe uh, for the activation of that virus in cells, we need some cofactors. Cofactors are not necessary. I think a lot of the data point to, at best, HIV being a cofactor. And one of the human herpes viruses may play a key role in the development of that disease to the extent that it is attributable to a virus infection. Nevertheless. Hey, 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 y'all, what's happening? I'm going to pause it right there. We'll play, the, we'll play the remainder of this maybe at the, towards the end of the show. Whatever the case may be, we'll do that there. But we got to get this show started because there's so much to um, build on. I see folks in the building tonight, what's happening, everybody. And it's, and it's interesting, the guy who's talking, Kerry Martin, the creator of the PCR test, I, did y'all peep how they said the first known cases of COVID was in September of 2019, right? Y'all caught caught that, right? They said the first cases known out of China was September 2019. Guess when Kerry Mullins died of, um, I think he died of pneumonia or something like that. Well, he died in September of 2019. Now, this guy has been saying on record for the longest, for many years, that Fauci was a fraud and 
how they manipulated the test that he created, right? Mm. All right. Absolutely, boss lady. What's happening, everybody? We're about to get into it tonight because I have something to add to all this stuff, this COVID stuff, more um, more revelations. We, we know it's going to continue to come out and come out and come out, all this shit, but the fact is when these devils are on a mission, they are on a mission. They don't give a fuck, right? They don't give a fuck. They move forward with the plan regardless of um, criminalized, um, criminal, you know, information comes out, anything that's, you know, um, that's damaging. They got the machine behind them. They got the media behind them. They got the government behind them. So they're well protected, but they can't suppress. This is what they're mad at. They can't, it's not, they can't suppress the truth from coming out, and that's what they dearly, 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 dearly want to do, right? So that's, that's what it is, but they can't – you might be able to silence some people, but you can't really silence the truth because the truth always finds its way to light uh, eventually. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Eventually. So that's just how they go, all right? So – Let's get this thing started, man. Let's get ready for some high damn politics. Like I said, I'll try to um, go as um, long as I can. If we can go to overtime, uh, I'll do my best on that. But it all depends how the flow of the show goes and really how I'm feeling. Got a lot of things to, uh, on my plate in the day. So let's get this thing started, man. Let's go. WGHU Radio presents Hot Damn Politics. Hold on one second, y'all. We're going to get this thing started. Ooh, ooh. Queen of the two lands, Nefertiti. Egypt cries out for your help. The menacing Hyksos have invaded the minds of your people and have set up their own capital at BTR. For BTR, they have disrupted many of our communication routes. We must stop their conquest before it is too late. Here at WGAG Radio, we are safe from immediate attack. Although the Hyksos have the gall to demand tribute, we may need to supply troops and arms to our compatriots to the north to help repel the Hyksos incursion. They will look to you, almighty Nefertiti, for support. But now, we too have a new weapon. Our wise military leaders have become proficient in the use of the dreaded sounds of Nuwapu, and we shall turn it back upon our enemies and drive them before us. If only our trouble was limited to the north. Reports from our southern border show that the black devils are once again taking advantage and distracted the minds of your people, and if the Nuwapians are to emerge intact from these turbulent times, much will be required of you. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to break the spell of ignorance with Nuwapu. As always, if you are a member of the Brain Trust's cult or kill, WGAG will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape is self-destructed five seconds, 
Good luck, Nefertiti. trying to um I I've reached out to our brother Lowry like I inboxed him two weeks ago and he usually always responds. Matter of fact he responded two weeks ago when it was my son's New Year. So little D's New Year was on the twenty eighth, which was on a Wednesday and I didn't do the show because it was his New Year. We were um partying and hanging out. And um, that's that's the last contact I've had with, with Brother Lowry. And I've since then, I will, you know, inbox him. Like I said, I, like you said, I'm used to him posting too. So, but he ain't posted in like a week or so. So, um, I'm gonna make sure I call. I forgot to um, call him. Uh, you know, it should be slipping my mind. I was like, I gotta call Brother Lowry, make sure he all right. I know um, he was getting ready to. Um, he had already signed up to work on someone's campaign down in Florida. 
And so we're three, we're less than three weeks out from midterm. So it could be that he's very um, focused on that, dealing with that. It takes a lot to manage a campaign and to assist with um, campaigns and it's coming to crunch time. So um, I can see him possibly being very focused on that. I haven't looked at my Instagram in a while either. I know he posts on Instagram, so I haven't been on Instagram in like maybe a month or so. So um, I check the um, Instagram shot too, but I'm going to call him though. Cause I mean, I have his numbers in my phone, so I'm going to just ring his goddamn phone, <laughs> you know, ring his damn phone when, when we're, you know, at the, you know, at the end of the day, you just pick up the goddamn phone to call call people, especially when you got the when you got the info. But yeah, so I'm I'm thinking of keeping in the positive manner that he's um just handling business. You know, you, I, I kind of understand when you're handling business, you tend to just separate yourself from any other things that you're doing, and you're handling business. I'm very much like that myself. When I'm focused on something, I really don't like other shit in the way to intervene on energies and shit that I have to get done. So with that, you know, that's my, that's my Sagittarius brother. So, you know, I, I can feel him on that one. So let's hope that is the case with, with Brother Lowry because that is our brother. Been rocking with us for years. And so, uh, you know, so I don't, you know, just keep the, make sure that energy is good energy because, you know, you know, we've been having a lot of our, our folks transition. So with that being said, What's up, everybody? What's happening right now? It's good to have y'all in the building tonight. Everybody that's hanging out at both the mansion over here um, in Discord and everybody that's also over in um, in Power Talk. I want to say what's up. Let me say what's up to everybody that's in the mansion right now. Let me go down the list. Arisha Gal 2020. What's going on with you, Arisha? Arisha's in the building. Everybody that's on the call line, what's happening with you? All the people that called in tonight, what's happening? Let me see what else. Um, who else is in here? Bar L is in the building. What's going on with you, Bar? Come on, give me my hand clap. Let's give Bar his hand clap. What's up? What's up? Boss Lady, young, black, and ambitious is in the building. What's going on with you, Boss Lady? Ethereum Forever is in the building. What's going on with you, Ethereum? Mushmouth is in the building. What's going on with you, Mush? None your business is in the building. What's going on with you? Good to see you in the building tonight. Pan the man, Brian. What's going on with you, Brian? How you doing tonight? Sadia B is also in here tonight. What's going on with you, Sadia? Sadia kicking it. J1 is also in the building. What's going on with you, J1? Young Ty is also in the building. What's happening with the both of you, too? I know uh, Zena's somewhere around here doing her thing, so what's up with you, Zena? And, of course, the one and only Don, the Coleon. What's happening, Don? Don is probably studying, doing her thing, whatever the, it is she doing at the time. So that's that. So playing this, um, the real Anthony Fauci, so I'm sure they're going to go into greater detail probably the last 40 minutes of that damn thing and talk more about Anthony Fauci, who's been popping since the 80s, 84. That's funny because the first hour of the show, I was going to play, literally play the movie 1984, and that's like that was the rise of Anthony Fauci was 1984 during the AIDS epidemic. So that's serendipitous right there. We, um, we'll probably get into um, 1984 next week. Because it's um that's evident that's always um critical just to see how the change of of, of society and what they're doing 
and who they shutting up and all this shit. So we're going to get into that, too, because we're going to talk about Kanye West and all the shit that's going on. And I tell you, that other documentary is also out. Um, you know, the, the woman that niggas love to hate, which is Candace Owens. Um, Candace Owens just dropped a documentary called The Greatest Lie Ever Sold on, about Black Lives Matter. I'm actually, I'm going to I'm, I'm um, watch that tonight while I'm laying in, laying in the bed to fall asleep, too. I'm, I'm going to check that out right there, you know. On that one, because um, we all, many of us knew that that shit was a fraud and a scam and used from a tactical um, psyops for niggas and, and everything like that. Yeah, I might stream it for sure, um, Boss Lady, um, and so all that good shit, but um, oh, she, you know, I mean, I'm just telling you now, if you don't like Candace, then you not you ain't going to watch this shit, you know, because people don't like her because of who she is and all that shit. So, but I'm in it for the information. What are you uncovering? What are you, peel, I like to see motherfuckers peel back the, uh, the layers of onions. I want to see how much do you pull back, how much do you discover, and how much do you expose? You know, that's what the shit I look for in um, this type of information and in documentaries like that. Because if you ain't doing that, then you bullshit. And, you know, you just, um, it's just, it's just a publicity stunt or it's a way just to garner up your name and your fame, right? But look, since we're talking about this COVID shit and we played this whole thing, I don't know if y'all heard, but um, here's another um, admission. We I told you last week that they finally admitted that we, shit, we already knew, but they finally admitted that, the mRNA, um, that whole uh, shit transmits through when it's breast milk into the babies, right? Into the babies. Um, we already knew that it was fucking up these broad cycles and fucking with these men's semen. And um, so now there is statistical or data proof that all that stuff is happening. Ain't nobody talking about it. Mainstream media won't even cover the shit at all. They won't even they won't even touch it. That shit is radioactive. You know what I'm saying? Usually when you have discoveries about things that are new, um, new technologies, new shit that's coming out, you you gonna hear about it. That's just like say that they got a new car out, right? And they find out that the um, gas tank is faulty. What they gonna do? They gonna have a national recall, right? Right? They gonna have a national fucking recall. And say, oh, we're going to have to, re- you know, about thirty, forty thousand 40,000 cars that got faulty shit that can explode. Well, they ain't going to do this with this vaccine. We already know that because they got too much money um, invested in it, and it serves a purpose for other things that they got going on. All right. But here's the, here's the kicker, though. Um, in Britain, in Britain, there's a legion of doctors and politicians, because check this out. This is why. I keep my eye on international politics for the family. You know what I'm saying? I, I you know, I watch it, um, try to see the bullshit in it, um, the truth, you know, the truth that I can pull out from it. Well, the um, the Conservative Party took over in England. I don't know if y'all know that the Conservative um, far right Conservative wing in the British Parliament has taken over. So their Congress is called, right, the House of Commons. And I love, I do love watching that shit. It's some great fucking theater. They, I like the way they get down. That shit is like, you know, it's real old school. When they all sit and they go, ah, ah, yeah, ah. They do that shit. When they don't like, ah, ah, they do that. And when they be like, the gentle, gentle men from Washington, you know, it's, it's 
it's, it's fucking theatrical. But nonetheless, so I'm watching um, that thing over there. They have start subpoena started subpoenas over there in Europe for all those executives of these pharmaceutical companies. Because remember, each country has their own set of laws and how they deal with with you know with multinationals, how they deal with conglomerates. They everybody has their own way of how they do things. So England is over there, got these people under subpoena, straight up. They got data, they got paperwork, they got all the internal fucking um, findings, and they're making those people explain shit. Well, here is one for you. Let me play this clip for you, family. Let me play this. Because we remember, let me, if I can find some clips. Let's find, let's do this real quick. Let's find some clips from when the media was saying that people would not transmit this shit after they took that shot. Um, let's see, uh, montage, montage of vaccine. I don't even know if it's going to be on this shit. Doesn't, uh, vaccine, a montage of the vaccines, uh, stops transmission. Somebody, I know somebody did that shit. Somebody put that shit together. Somebody had to do it. No? Let me see. Mm. You know, this shit is, you know, fucking YouTube is so fucking watered down and shit. It, it's, it's, it's terrible. Okay. Mm. You know, for real, like, yeah, you got to, you know, you got to go on beat you. You got to go on rumble. You got to get on them other shits to get this shit. But I'm, I'm trying to find out. Um, but let's hear the liars. Here's a reporter asking about the administration, how it affects women administration. If it affects a bitch's administration, it affects her fertility, her ability to run. Um, 100% of these appointments. Yeah, if it fucks up Raw's fertility, then we know it fucks up her ability to procreate. It fucks with her shit. Let's see. When the vaccine first came out, there was a concerted effort for uh, least of these low-income minority people is there a concerted effort once again for this booster shot for minorities, uh, low income? And also, you see the positives of the booster shot. Uh, there's a study out talking about women, women in their menstrual cycles, how vaccines, the public vaccines have impacted them. Can you speak to that as well? Yeah. So on that study, it affected for the first cycle, uh, affected the menstrual cycle by one day, um, and, then, and then women's menstrual cycle back to normal. So there was a lot of, and that was has been the most definitive study suggesting there are no significant long-term impacts uh, on the health of women or, or uh, their. You couldn't, motherfucker, you could not take. Oh, shoot, what happened? Uh-oh. Oh, shoot, hold on. Uh. All right, can y'all hear me? I don't know, I thought my, um. My sound might have went out. Can you hear me? Let me get a mic check. All right, cool, cool. Well, there's no way he said it doesn't affect him long time. There's no way you can know that. There's no way you can even know that. See, this is where media, these people, you post to press them on when they give away, when they say shit like that. Uh, well, you know, it, it messes it up after the first month, after their first cycle, and then after that, um, it has no uh, long-term effects. There's no way you can know that. 
Long term means 5, 10, 15 years. You don't have enough data to make that assumption, to even make that kind of hypothesis, right? And we know damn well, we know that the study about the Women's Administration was extremely small sample size. Because remember, I, I um, talked about it last week. They only, they only tested, they only did a grouping of about 30 women. They only did about 30. You, when you need to do a, a, a double-blind test with about, you should have like at least 1,000, at least 1,000 subjects for you to, to, um, to track, not 30, but they did that on purpose. They kept that, that test size very small so they wouldn't have a whole bunch of variations. You see what I'm saying? They wouldn't have variations in the outcome because if you have a small sample size, then your variations of people, how it affects them is not, you know, it's not as significant. You're not going to get a whole bunch of people who can have this and that and women who can have this and that. You just have a small sample size. But, you know, you know, they love to lie. Reproductive health. On the issue of making sure that we're both getting the vaccines out uh, to disadvantaged communities, poorer communities, communities of color, um, no question in my mind that it continues to be a major priority of the administration. Um, we, ooh, they just love fucking. Ooh, they just love fucking with niggas and them, don't they? Oh, we, we make make sure that's a high priority that we get it out to the niggas and and these low income and brown and black and all that stuff. But here's more to the point that I want to get to is this admission right here. Let me pull this up for you, family. Boop. Here we go. It's this right here. No. It's always good to uh, hear the people talk about it. Hold on. Where'd it go? Hold on. Here we go. I understand your frustrations. I really do. I understand your frustrations. I really do. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. So a question then for you, Ms. Small, where I would like a clear answer, please. So there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really... You, you see how casual they just say shit like that? They're so casual with it. The man said, did you even know? Did y'all even test to see if this shit will even stop any transmission? She said, no. Well, we didn't test for it. Now, I remember, y'all, that's why I was trying to pull up a montage of all them talking heads on all these networks. Even uh, Joe Biden said, if you take this, you will not transmit it, right? They said that for the longest. If you take it, you won't transmit it to your child, to your grandma, all that shit. The British man asked that that woman, did you even test? Did you even test to see if it would stop transmission? The whole said no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
point of a vaccine is to stop transmission, not to stop what is deemed a, to make, you know, to have your, your illness be less. If it's made for your your um, symptoms to not be harsh or anything like that, then that's technically a therapeutic. It's not a vaccine. But remember, like 1984 tells us in SOC, they start and and what we what um it showed on um Animal Farm last week, they changed definitions. Right. So what did they do? They went on they the CDC and the rest of them change the actual definition of a vaccine. A vaccine is always made to stop the transmission of of a virus, of any kind of illness. That's what it's made for. Not to so you don't uh, get, you know, completely messed up by it, but it's to stop transmission. So let's listen to the CEO of Pfizer, or one of the CEOs, because they got plenty more than one, um, Let's listen to our answer again. Clearly, if yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know, please? So there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No, uh, these, um, you know, we have to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. I think our... Bitch, what is the speed of science? You see how they just make shit up? This whole said we had to move at the speed of science. What the fuck is that? <laughs> like, what is the speed of science? I've never heard of, we got to move at the speed of science. I've heard the speed of lightning. You know, I've heard the speed of of, uh, <laughs> of sound. <laughs> i never heard of the speed of science. You know what I'm saying? It just makes, you know, what up, Don? I see Don just walked up in here. Great day, Don. You know, but that's, you know, they get away with just saying, just saying whatever the fuck. You had to move at the speed of science. All right, let's continue to listen to this liar. Dr. Boudla, even though he's not here, would turn around and say to you himself, uh, if not us, then who? Uh, Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? 
No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. I think our Dr. Budla, even though he's not here, would turn around and say to himself, uh, if not us, then who? Um, Dr. Budla actually felt the importance of what was going on in the world. And therefore, as a result of that, we actually um, spent $2 billion at risk uh, of self-funded money from Pfizer to be able to manufacture, as it, well, first of all, research, develop and manufacture at risk to be able to make sure that we were in a position to be able to help um, with the pandemic. And, uh, and I think that's why I feel very good when a recent paper um, from the Imperial College stated that in the first year of the rollout of, of vaccines, um, we saved uh, 4 million people. So from that Okay, thank you, thank you. My bad. I was on mute. Bitch, how did you know that you saved four million lives? But oh definitely boss lady, it's a small ass number. It's a minuscule number. A minuscule number. Four million. But bitch, how did you know that you saved four million lives? Was they all on their deathbeds at the hospital and then you came and, and hit them up with, with the shit and then they just bounced back? How did you know? How did you collect that data? You know what I'm saying? With people, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how did you do that? How did, how did you know that you saved four million lives? You see? And, and see, that's, again, all this shit just be for show, for real, because as that politician, I don't know, I didn't see the entire, I didn't see the entire um, hearings, because you're supposed to follow up. What, how did you come to that number, and what did you guys do to come to that conclusion? That's what we learned about science, right? That's what our, our, our basic foundation that we learned about science, right? You have to show the data that actually proves a hypothesis or even a claim that you make, right? Ain't that how it works? <laughs> That's how it works. So that, that's just a hell of a thing to say, but it sounds good, right? It, it, it fucking sounds good. We say 4 million people. Well, bitch, it's 7.4 billion people on the planet, ho. And it's 4, it's four million people in, in, in L.A. by itself. 4 million? There's 4 million people in the county of Los Angeles. That's nothing. You know? So, I, again, how do you know that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like... What did you, you know what I'm saying? How the fuck did you do it? Hey, absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know if you heard, uh, I don't know if you heard of Young Juvie, Don. I, I said I was going to play um, the greatest uh, lie ever sold. That's the Candace Owens documentary that just dropped the other day, a couple of days ago. It premiered a couple of nights ago. Um, Black Lives Matter documentary uh, How they uh, basically uh, Duped all them niggas Pretty much But 
You can watch it when you want. But uh, I was going to play it after the show tonight as I lay down. I was going to play it in here. That's why he said that. She know who the, she know who fucking Candace Owens is. <laughs> she knows who Candace Owens is. All right, but look, this is what I got for you too. Let's let's just jump right into this um this Kanye thing. We got to just go on and talk about it, right? With Kanye, all right, because it's it's fucking everywhere, right? What's up, uh, my man? What's up, Raymond? Raymond Rick's in the building over there and um in the um AP in the after party over there. What's happening with you now? <laughs> it's good to see you though. He over there. You gotta learn how to get into the mansion over there too, uh, Ricks, when you get time. But look, we gotta get into this Kanye situation. All right. This all started with the White Lives Matter T shirt. When I saw the shit, I said he knows how to he know how to stir up controversy. He knows what he's doing. He's at a fashion Paris Fashion Week. He know how to get people talking. He know how to trigger people, right? Yeah, and so <laughs> he ain't crazy at all. You know what I'm saying? That's, no, that dude is not seven thirty. You know he not he not seven thirty. You know, you know, like not in the way, not in the way that they say people are crazy, right? I always say when they say you're crazy, I say you're crazy like a fox, like a sly fox, because you have a re, um a resulted outcome to your madness. There's a method to your madness, right? So anyway, so he wears that shit. He goes on Tucker. I knew the shit was gonna blow when he went on Tucker Carlson. I don't know how many people watched that interview. I watched it. You know what I'm saying? I watched it in its entirety. I even watched the clips that they finally came out and uh, tried to censor. And I love the fucking um, the clips that they didn't air. You know why they didn't air particular clips in that um, in that uh, Carlson uh, Tucker Carlson interview? Did y'all hear what he said? Did you hear the shit that they edited out? Anybody? Did, did y'all hear what he what he said for the reason why they edited particular shit out? And then the media tried to come back and say, oh, look at this shit that Kanye said, and this is what Fox didn't show because he's crazy and he said some anti-Semitic shit. No, he didn't say shit anti-Semitic, okay? He didn't say nothing anti-Semitic. What he said was, there is a genocide, this is what he said, there is a genocide against one of the 12 lost tribes of Judah. We call them black people in America. That's what he said. Okay? That's the shit that sounds the alarm. See, like, how dare you, how dare you, Call yourself one of the original tribes. How, how how dare you say you one of the original? You are the original Israelites. You are the original Hebrew. That's the shit he was talking, and he's still talking that shit right now. And that's really a part of what they want to silence. 
right? And so when he talked about, so when he talked about, um, you know, Martin, you know, the shit that we already know that us over here know about the origins of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, and and all those things. You know what I'm saying? They ain't like that because that goes against their their narrative. And so they knew that they can trigger a whole bunch of uh, niggas with the uh, White Lives Matter t-shirt but not give you full context of what that brother was saying. Okay? Yeah, you got to you not you got to go find it um then you got to go like on beat you some shit. Hey, um what's up my man? Uh, Raymond Ricks, you got to come over into the voice room, Raymond. You're in general text. Right? There's another room that says voice channels. Right? Voice channels. You're in text channels. Come into the room that says voice channels and tap into the general. That'll get you over where, where we're at right now because that chat that you're in right now on Discord is like, no, it's not active. Like, people not chopping it up over there. We're in the voice room. So you got to get your way over here. Because I know you can hear me, but you, you know, all the folks over here, brother. So you got to make your way to the voice room. Okay? So come on through, uh, Mr. Um, Mr. Raymond, right? Niggas being triggered never fails. So what they so what they wanted to do is have the nigga the 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 nigga the real stupid nigga kingdom try to shut him up. Kanye is gonna keep on talking. So what does he do? He goes on Twitter, start talking about Puffy and them, because what did they do? Them are some of the first people. I start speaking out and then start hitting his phone, right? Anytime niggas get out of line, they're going to go send their gatekeepers to go get the other niggas. They go get their slave catchers to go get other slaves, right, to retrieve the slaves that left the plantation. We know that's how they do, right? Go send them out. Go wrangle that. Go get that nigga. That nigga escape. Go get him and bring him back. See, they don't need they don't need white folks to tell Kanye to shut up. Even though it's still it's a whole bunch of liberal white folks that tell him he needs to shut the fuck up. But they don't need to because there's an onslaught of niggas who will do it for them. Who say, I'm tired of him, he's crazy, he needs to be off his meds, fuck him, if something happens to I mean and some of the people that are saying this shit, some folks I'm disappointed in, but I'm not surprised because they ain't really all that smart when I think about it. Niggas like Willie D and all them who outspoken brothers and shit like that. That nigga Willie D from the Ghetto Boys literally said he wished he wants something to happen to Kanye. Like, take this nigga out. Because he's seen, he sees Kanye as an enemy of the fucking people. I say you got to be a real stupid, ignorant individual to think that Kanye is is an enemy of black folks. When in fact, that's all he talk about is the upliftment of black folks and always has since day one. See, he ain't switching shit up. That dude ain't switching shit up. This nigga been saying this since he walked on the scene. You know what I'm saying? And so... To me, if we have to say symbolize it, what, what somebody symbolizes, right? Well, to me, this is my opinion, right? This is this is this is opinion enough. Nobody else's. 
what he represents to me from the shit that he's saying is the level of integrity and morality that niggas have forgot that they actually always had. That means protecting your children, understanding the higher power, the all, understanding that that everything that you do and everything that you got, all your power, everything comes through the all. You know what I'm saying? Speaking on your fucking godhood. He speaks about godhood. You know what I'm saying? And, and what that means. So I, I, that's how I, what I see how he, what he represents. So when he's talking about uh, them doing shit that we talk about every day, really, to me, you know, that nigga just talking when we talk amongst ourselves here in the mansion and on WGAG radio every fucking day. How they over-sexualizing the children, exposing them to shit that they have no business being exposed to, teaching this shit in school when that is not the purpose of school. The school, you know, you get these motherfuckers up to date on what they need to be able to have a functioning skill inside of the, you know, the outer world or whatever the case. I don't, I don't, I don't expect a schoolhouse to teach my child how to think critically. You know what I'm saying? And I definitely don't need a fucking school teacher or whatever the fuck to tell my child from a moral standpoint what they have to accept. You know what I'm saying? If I want to teach, raise my children, guide my children with morality, I'm saying that some of this shit that they got going on here is not not normal. It is made to confuse you. It is made to turn your mind inside out. It is made to have have you as a confused individual, especially at the age when you are your your hormones are changing. You you have you absorb everything like a fucking sponge for real. Understand they're teaching they bringing this shit into kindergartners. Right now they're teaching second graders in some of these schools that there are fifty seven genders, fifty seven. Okay. I mean we you know we know that there's um, <laughs> we understand that there's different species of, of people on this planet. Right, we know that that there's different species walking around here in human suits, but they're trying to teach children that there's 57 genders sexualized, right? So then, so like I said, then he so once they they stick the gatekeepers on Kanye and they're texting him, Kanye said, "Why are you texting me?" I'm gonna put everything you, everything that you texted to me right now. I'm a, I'm gonna put it on blast and take a screenshot and I'm gonna show it to everybody. That's transparency, right? Right? Is that not transparency? So look, nigga, all the shit you keep texting me, talking about this is bad. He like, nigga, fuck you. That's what he told Puffy, nigga, fuck you. He said, go back to them Jewish people, them handlers you got. That got you ringing my phone right now. Won't you go tell them to like for you to stop fucking with me? All right. But we been knew that. We we been knew that, man. I tell you, if y'all want to see, if y'all want some nigga entertainment, if you want some nigga entertainment, check out Gene the Deal, um, Puffy's former bodyguard. That nigga's um. 
he he dropped he be he be telling on his ass. <laughs> he don't he don't like Puff Daddy. That nigga don't like Puff Daddy. He tell on his motherfucking business. He even in the, in the he just told the other day how he um Puffy provided information to the feds about fucking um when Jay Prince, Suge Knight, and uh, Irv Gotti all got caught up in that fed bus. Gene was saying that nigga um, Puffy was actually assisting the feds, but that's a whole nother story. But anyway, so that's what Kanye does, right? He talks that shit. So drinking champs, right? Drinking champs is one of the big fucking uh, is one of the big things in the culture right now. So it's a hot podcast, hip hop. Y'all know Noriega from N O R E. Well, actually, his album Melvin Flint is like kind of one of my favorite. Uh, classic hip hop albums, right? In R.E. Noriega, that fucking Melvin Flint album is is the bomb. I think they came out in like 2001 or some shit. But anyway, so Nori has him on. They do a three and a half hour, I think it's almost four hour sit down. Um, and so some clips in there. I seen half the interview, right? But I pretty much got a good feel on what, you know, Kanye always talking about. But this shit right here, this is a good – let me play this clip for y'all, man. Let me play this clip for y'all real quick. This shit right here. Now – I'm going to tell you some anti-Semitic shit right okay, This is the shit that we always talking about. I know I, for one, talk about it a lot because I am a hip-hop head. All right? I'm musically vast. I listen to a lot of shit, but I love hip-hop. Okay? I am a hip-hop head. And we know, we always talk about the impression, what that shit has done to people over the years. What it's done to generation of our people over the years. We, 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 we are, we watch the evolution you know what I'm saying? Hip-hop just celebrated its 50th birthday. You know what I'm saying? It's 50th birthday. So we saw the inception and the evolution of the craft. Right? Sugar Hill dropped in what, 70, in 70-something, early 70, 73, some shit like that. So, like, again, you know, if you're from New York, you saw it when it wasn't even on vinyl. You know what I'm saying? If you If you were from New York, you saw it when it was still in the parks. You know, when they when they used to do that shit in the park. And that's the early seventies, before there was ever a, a a fucking shit even hit on on wax. Right? So we seen it evolute out of the eighties into the nineties into the two thousands and where we at now in twenty twenty and beyond. What them secular Jews found was the formula where they knew niggas would internalize the music because everybody knows that the sound and the music is powerful. Music is powerful. It has the ability to move you. It has the ability to invoke spirit from within. Music can make you do things. We know that, right? We know that. That's ancient. Ancient shit. Right? So we know that they was fucking up the frequencies many years ago. So when you put that, this is where they knew they could really, really use hip-hop to have niggas 
become a, an ultimate destruction, a tool of destruction. And it happens to be with the beef with my favorite rapper of all time, my nigga, you know, my godly hip-hop figure with that Biggie and Tupac shit. When they saw the the drama and the effect of a beef on wax could move people and make people feel a certain way from coast to coast and everything in between. When they saw the effects that that had and how it can change the mood, how it can pit people against each other, you know what I'm saying? And how when the music was being made that they could actually say, because remember, there was a trial. I'll never forget this. In 1990, 1995, 1996, there was this young man who killed somebody and got into a high-speed chase, right? Well, when he was on that high-speed chase after killing a couple of people, he had a particular CD being played. He had a CD that he was listening to as he was um, literally riding. They, the word is, that story goes that when they stopped him and pulled him over and they finally got him down and everything, the music was still playing. And he was playing Tupac. And he was playing um, Hellraiser. Mama raised the Hellraiser. Right? So they tried to use that music. I remember that because this is during a time where you had politicians, you know, who was going up against hip-hop, Dolores Tucker, um, Bob Dole, all these all these um, agencies and shit that was talking about the hip hop or whatever. But what they found out, what these what these secular Jewish people found out is that man, this shit generates so much fucking money, right? It generates so many eyeballs on magazines, um, television, all that shit. And then they had to say, this is the model. This is the model. And then once they saw how much them two niggas, them two, them two niggas, Biggies and, and Tupac's estates, how much money those estates were generating, estates now, post-mortem, post-posthumous albums and everything else was generating. You understand what I'm saying? They was like, that is the recipe. And that shit became perpetuated. It became perpetuated right up out of the 2000s into the early 2000s. Remember, how did niggas like 50 Cent get on? 50 Cent came in on the beef. That was the first time really we seen niggas get in the game, get in the game of hip-hop off beef, off talking shit, going after another artist. We had never seen that before. You had to come in with your talent and build your buzz and spit your bars and do your thing. This nigga came in on the bullshit, right? That's a little bit different, Newbie. Newbie said battle rap. Battle rap was a little bit different. You know, battle rap has always been been around. This nigga came in on the disrespect. He made a song called How to Rob. And that song, he robbed every, in that, in, that, in that song, he robbed every industry nigga. He talked about every industry person. Whitney Houston, I'm going to get him for a shit. I saw Brian McKnight, I'm going to get him for a, you know, it's all about jacking, robbing, 
killing niggas, and then his when he then when he dropped, we already know the beef with Ja Rule. So anyway, that shit became the model of hip hop, and that shit persisted and persisted and persisted to, and then you got how you went from talking about you sold drugs to survive to now you take drugs. It went from, look at, come on, it went from stop the violence, right? It went from stop the violence, self-destructive, to I sell dope because I have to make a way, right? Got to sell dope because I'm trying to get out. To the glamorization, right, of what that dope life bring me, right? Because that was the early 2000s, 2005, 2006, the niggas started talking about how they was living, like the glamorous life that the dope game brought them. 2015, 2000, wait, 2012 and then these niggas became junkies inside of their rap. Promethazine, lean, you know what I'm saying? That whole shit. Percocets started with you know it, it you know them niggas it, it came out of our generation because three six mafia and them started that bullshit sipping on some scissor you know what I'm saying pimp C and all that shit you know what I'm saying they they was they was pumping that shit in the early two thousand two thousand five two thousand six and shit like that but it caught on right and then next thing you know you got Percocet Miley Percocet you know you got niggas call themselves Zanny, Zanny do. <laughs> hey, that's a little nigga, country black. I love, that's my nigga though right there, country, country, country black. But anyway, so, <laughs> so, right. so that's what, um, and this is what Kanye had to say about that. And they know that it became a model. It was a. It became a business model. Beefing, doing drugs became in your records became a business model. Understand? Understand that, y'all. A business model that they knew sold. Right? There have been very few mainstream artists who did not do that and blew the fuck up. Very few. Very few. Eminem don't count because he white. I'm sorry. He he don't fucking count. Okay. Absolutely knew he say that shit. When Kanye dropped in 2005, he's one of the first non-shooting niggas up, non-drug-using ass raps that blew up in pop- to, to be for him to become a, a star of hip-hop. The niggas who, who came out of that era when we was young in the 90s and persisted on to the 2000s, they all had the drug dealer, they all had the drug dealer persona. Jay-Z, even Nas, they all had the drug dealer persona. Right? Kanye did not. He, he just didn't. He talked about the effects of drugs in the community, the effects of drugs on the family, the effects of 
materialism in women. Right? So that was different. Right? Absolutely. So, but here you go. He said this on Drinking Champs. And to me, I was like, that's that shit that needs to be said. And this is another reason why they got a problem with Kanye West. Here we go. Semitic. I'm going I'm to name you some anti-Semitic shit right now, right? Semitic. I'm going I'm to name you some anti-Semitic shit right now, right? Because you're Jew. Let me put it like this. Remember I talk about the chakras? Okay. And he keeps saying that. You see how he keeps reinforcing that we are Jews? You 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 keep you keep peeping how he keeps saying that we are the Jew. And he said, because I'm gonna give you some anti-Semitic shit, because we the original Jew. Well, here we go. Semitic. I'm gonna I'm gonna name you some anti-Semitic shit right now, right? Because we're Jew. Let me put it like this. Remember I talk about the chakras? Remember I talked about Rick Rubin? I talked about the 808. <laughs> The chakra is real. Now, now see, I'm going to stop it one time because he went into Rick Rubin. Y'all know who Rick Rubin is, right? Y'all know? Tell me y'all know. I know y'all got to know Rick Rubin. We all the same age around this bitch. So y'all know who Rick Rubin is, right? All right, cool. For any of my family who don't know who Rick Rubin is, Rick Rubin is the co-founder of Def, Def Jam record label with Russell Simmons. He was his Jewish partner, right? And he was a producer. He was an in-house producer, right? That's who he is. He also is a student of black magic. He openly professes that. He is in the craft of black magic, right? So he understands, he understands the science. He knows the science of it all and how what you can emanate through sound and through the music and through the drum beat and everything else. Because understand, after Rick Rubin left, kind of stopped fucking with hip-hop, he went into rock. He went into, uh, you know, metal. Because we all know, remember our parents used to tell us back in the day, that heavy metal is devil. It's a devil music. <laughs> you know, heavy metal... You know, Satan worship Satan worshippers and all that shit, right? Right? All right, so all right, Miss Hudson, give me that shit. Man, Miss Hudson get the best fucking gifts. I swear she be having the best. She be finding the best ones. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so he knew how to hypnotize motherfuckers through the through, through the music with, with low pitch frequencies and things like that, how to um, invoke emotion, right? And so he's, he, Kanye is like, Rick Rubin gave niggas a great dose of black magic within the music that fucked up niggas' frequencies out here. They got niggas doing all kinds of shit out here. That's what he I mean, you know, that's what that was in another interview. But here we go. Let me go back on this. Here we go. Semitic. I'm a, I'm gonna name you some anti Semitic shit right now, right? Because we're Jew. 
Let me put like this. Remember I talked about the chakras? Remember I talked about Rick Rubin? I talked about the 808? The chakras is real. Now, now I'm going to say some anti semitic shit. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. That's the real anti-Semitic shit that the Jewish people get paid off of. Now, let me little Apple move. Can we move on Apple right now? How many, how many people want to bet their house that that content is not within the first three songs on Apple rap music? Hmm. I don't want to make it quiet. I don't. Did you, did you, you see how the whole fucking everybody in that room went silent? How many of y'all want to bet your fucking house that that content is on the top three songs on Apple Music right now? I'm going to fuck you, your bitch and I'm going to kill this nigga. <laughs> That's some real shit. We need warriors out here, man. We is this he to me, I could be completely wrong about this. I can be completely wrong on my analysis. But this nigga here understands the assignment. He understands that we are fighting principalities of darkness. That all black folks is. We are fighting principalities of darkness. And your mind got to be right to be able to deal with the shit that they putting on us and putting at us and want to throw at us every single day. It is a psychological warfare. This nigga understands that we are fighting the principalities of darkness. And to me, it, it's always beautiful to see it and for people to say it who are on the fucking inside of the machine. To, to destroy a thing, you have to be on the inside. To bring awareness to shit, like real shit, you have to have been in it to actually expose the treachery in it. There's only so much you can do from the outside in, but we have... A lot of us have the insight and the wisdom and the clairvoyance and the ability to see deeper into shit that we don't have to be a part of. Don't get me wrong, because a lot of us do. A lot of folks do. But there's nothing like a motherfucker who is in it who can tell it all. Who can tell it all. And when he comes to speak about the Jewish community, about the, to, to how they get down business-wise, let me tell you, man, I'm seeing this shit so up close and personal. I'm, I, I, I do, I get amazed by it. Yes, the, the, the Ashkenazi Jews, we call them. Those are the fake Jews. Those are the Russian. They actually of Russian descent. They are, they are Russians. All right, they ain't from Palestine. They bloodline don't go to Palestine, none of that shit. All right, let's let's keep it a buck. That's not where they come from. Them is Europeans, them is them Ashkenazi Jewish people, right? Um, being in healthcare and um, dealing with these folks, I I I got I get to see like how they run a fucking industry. I'm I'm kind of I'm blown away by it because yeah, you always hear about 
you know, certain groups of people controlling this and controlling that, and they got a stronghold in this and that. But to see how they get down, how they operate, how they network, it's, it's I mean, at the same time, you like them, but some at, some, at, at a point, it's something to kind of marvel at. Because I'm like, they understand what they need to do as a people. I give them that. I give them that. We got some in there. Uh, interesting enough, I had um, I was pre-screening this position um, earlier today, um, and it was a sister. Her name was um, Dr. Karen Reed. She was in. She's from. Um, she's in Indiana. She's in Indiana. And um, I'm, I'm speaking with her today, you know, about placing her. And she goes, and she, so she can tell right off the bat. I can tell from what I'm speaking to. I knew she was a black woman. You know, we got, we have a distinct tone, you know, for the most, especially, especially when you're not trying to fake an accent, a white folks accent, you know. We have a distinct tone, and we can usually recognize each other very quickly by our voices. So when I when picked up and I called her, I knew she was a black woman. She, and then she immediately knew I was a sister, right? So we're talking, and she's like, um, you know, I got my own practice, but I want to be able to. She said, I've been. She's like, I've been in. Um, she's in Bloomington. She's in Bloomington, Indiana. She's like, I've I've had enough of these white folks. She's like, I want to. <laughs> she's like, I want to be able to uh, go into more of a melting pot. You know, she was like, so see if you can get me something like in Illinois, in the suburb outside of Chicago, whatever. Have you not? So. I um, you know, and she wants to do some um, something else, right? Not not the the position that I have, but but this is what she did, and to me, this is how we should all operate as as newbies with one another. She goes, all right. She said, even though you can't place me right now, but I have um I have a need, so I'm going to. I she was like, I need a nurse practitioner, right? And so she said, um. Here you go. I'm going to um, I'm going to send you the the, the recs. I'm sending you the rec for the position, and uh, you know, because I love what you're doing. She was like, you don't you don't see a whole bunch of you know black fucking recruiters. You know what I'm saying? And, and you owning your own shit. So she was like, I, she was like, I applaud you. You own your what? And, and to me, that's how we should interact with one another. If you can lend a hand, lend a hand. If you can bring other your people business, bring them business. You know what I'm saying? And like again, and you do it without expecting anything in return per se. Anybody that's righteous is going to usually compensate you when you do send things their way. But you know, it's courtesy. But to have that interaction with her today, I'm like, that's what Jewish people do. That's what majority of the people do. They like you said, that's old cold. She didn't have to say shit. She didn't have to do none of that. She could have just hung up the phone. But I think that's how we should interact with one another. And for some reason, it's been lost over the years, but you know what I'm saying? But and this is another thing. I'm going to speak on Kanye because this is what he's saying and names that he's mentioning that – None of these hating ass niggas who can't stand him, he this, he that, he crazy, he against the people. Nobody's talking about when this nigga said we have to 
become competition in industry. That's the shit. I know me personally, I've been screaming that shit on WGAG airwaves since I got here. Become these motherfuckers' competition. Who want to step up to the plate? Who wants to step up to the fucking plate and become competition? Nobody wants to be any these these industries. How can you complain about a system and this is not right? What they motherfucking become their competition? Why won't you? Especially when you're in a position to do so. Many years ago, this nigga was on an interview with Sway. Many years ago. And Sway told him, nigga, you trying to get into the fashion industry, don't be looking to get into these houses, of these fashion houses, partner or not with these niggas, do it yourself. And Kanye nearly got into a fight with Sway. That's where the how Sway, that's where that shit come from, how Sway, that was that interview. Kanye had to recently come back and say Sway was right because now he understands the arbitrage, you know what I'm saying, the, the fucking, sh- the noose that's around the nigga's neck when you're trying to make moves. And they want to put a ceiling on, on the motherfucker when you're trying to make those moves inside of industry. That's why he had the falling out with Gap and Adidas. You know what I'm saying? They weren't honoring the contract. You know what I'm saying? They weren't, you like, look, in the contract it says that you're supposed to be doing putting up physical buildings, you know what I'm saying, uh, putting in, putting up yay stores, physical stores and everything like that. Because, like, this nigga, he understands his value. He understands, he like, he's 60% of profit for Adidas. The Yeezy brand is 60% of profit in revenue for Adidas, the Adidas brand. I think it brings 60% of their revenue in off the Yeezy brand. And so he was like, He's like, these niggas trying to steal my creators, my creative team. They're trying to pluck people, which is not – that's not unheard of. They gonna, people are going to do that. Corporations are going to do that once they find out that, you know, you got to fucking – you have a recipe. Well, they're going to try to pluck the talent away from you, right, to put on that team. That's natural. That's business. That's the shiesty part, if you want to call it, or the competitiveness of business. People are going to want to take um, your talent. You know, contract law is something totally different. It trumps law. All right, now. Come on, newbie. Talk to me, newbie. Come on, newbie. So, and then with the gap, he said, we had an agreement that you were going to bring down prices. I don't want to sell $200 T-shirts. He said that was a part of the agreement, but then he realized that I got to break off. I got to do my own thing. And let me tell you, any time a nigga becomes wealthy in their system that they've given keys to, made partnerships with, did did dealings with, when you start saying now I'm breaking off, I'm breaking off and doing my own thing, understand, here comes the onslaught. Here comes the character assassination. Here comes all that shit. Because he said, I'm going to do it myself. He said, I don't want to be connected. He said, to Adidas said, look, you, I need you to pull out of China. 
I don't want Yeezys being manufactured in China. He said, I want to bring that shit to America. I want to bring it here. And this is another thing they don't tell you and they don't fucking report, that he's bought up a whole bunch of commercial properties, commercial industrial properties in Compton and throughout South Central L.A. Yeezy headquarters is, 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 in, is in L.A. It's in downtown L.A. Understand L.A. is not Hollywood. I, I got to give you all that, that visual. Hollywood and L.A. are not the same place per se. You know what I'm saying? You, you understand what I'm saying? Like that's a that's kind of like a, a um, if I had to say like Hollywood is like a master plan community, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? What up, Ty? You understand what you understand what I'm saying? Hollywood is different from L.A. So his headquarters, the Yeezy headquarters, is in L.A. He's bought commercial and industrial buildings in South Central. And Compton, what do you think he wants to do with those buildings and that land he's bought in Compton and in South Central? Come on, y'all. What y'all think he want to do with it? Come on, give me some guesses. Okay, invest. Give me, give me something else. Come on, y'all. What do y'all think he wants to do with the land he just bought? Mhm. All right, boss lady. All right, boss lady. You okay? You on to it? Warehouse. Okay. Mhm. Give jobs to his. Come on, Sadia. Come on. Come on. Come on. Open up commerce. Come on. Now you talking? All right. All right, fam. Housing. Come on, fam. Become direct competition. Investing in the community. He wants to build those manufacturing hubs right in the heart of the hoods of South Central and Compton. He's bought the land, and he said, I want to build here. When I want that shit to be here, not China. You see what I'm saying? So... You gotta understand, like, and if, if a nigga is able to pull that off, full on manufacturing of someone of his profile, I'm sure it might be, you know, I'm not saying there's no noobin people who don't have manufacturing and manufacturing hubs in in America. If they do, I don't know many of them. If they if if there are, they keep it on the under. They are not highlighted, nor are the, do we know about them. You know what I'm saying? We talk about manufacturing. That's, that's different than having a business in, in America and having your retail in the in America, but owning your manufacturing. That's direct competition, and that's having a foothold in industry. You understand what I'm saying? I love the fact that, that um, niggas like um, Master P has rap snacks and shit like that. You know, that that's a beautiful thing. Is your manufacturing in this country, though? That's how you become an industry player. I hope it is. Is your manufacturing here? Not your packaging. Not your packaging and your bottling. 
your manufacturing. I know another sister, Vanessa Bryant, I posted her quite a bit. She's one of the few black women who has her manufacturing of her spirits and wines done here. And, and that shit ain't outsourced. That's right here. That's called building infrastructure. You know what I'm saying? That's building infrastructure as a newbin owner of industry, becoming an industry player, because you have to be able to, can, you know, have some level of control of the raw materials. You understand? You have to have control. And that means, then, then that means you either have partnerships and, and you, you buy shit out of those natural resources that are here in America, or you go do like the European and, and the Arab does, and that's go into Africa, unfortunately. You go into Africa and you go control the land and the resources to pull those materials up out the ground to bring them to your factories. Luby say, I hope he learns from Black Wall Street and build a better infrastructure. I, you know, if he's able to pull it off, it, it really, he he he's a follower. He's a um, a student, an adept student of um powernomics. Are you guys familiar with powernomics? That's Doctor uh, Claude Anderson, right? Claude Anderson. He's a you know he's an old man. He's probably in his eighties, nineties now. But for the, for the for the longest, uh, he's a political commentator, economic, um, you know. Uh, Academia, kind of, you know, economics, you know, guru, if you want to call it that, whatever the case. But he's always laid out the plan that you can't have a, a strong, you can't be a people of major meaning, meaning that people take you seriously if you do not have a stake in industry. Right? You know, you know what I'm saying? So. Um, and right now, Kanye is daring to do it. And so I know, and we all know, when you go against the tide and you want to literally buck this system because you've un- you o- you overstand it inside and out, and you are noobing, man or woman, they're going to come for you. We've seen it with the master teacher here. When you buck the tide, you buck the trend of how you teach any of all that any of that shit that you do that is outside of what they say you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be doing it and if you are doing it that we thoroughly have our hands in the pot. Okay. Taya also said it ain't no reason why we should not be dominant controlling the music industry, especially hip hop, especially what the way things are made now, though you know, how, how how things are done, there's no reason why you can't Lubins can't control it themselves. They don't need CBS. They don't need Universal. They don't need Interscope. They don't need they don't need those people. Not if you understand the business. Now, you can always choose to partner. But see, let me tell you something about a partnership. A partnership 
can be like a job. And when I say that, I mean in the context. I remember I, I, I used to love how Don used to say it, and it's in the behind the uh, not is it the nine ball when when Doctor Yurt says, "Look, if you work a job, it is a stepping stone for you to understand." How this shit works from the inside because you are a worker inside of something, it is a stepping stone to then for you to do your own thing. I always love that part in in, uh, in the nine ball when he speaks about employment. Got to read that again one day, man. It's been a while since um, Don just did the nine ball. But um, that shit there. That's what that is. And so and that's how I see a partnership when you choose to partner with someone. You see how they do their thing. Understand how you know how they operate. Then I can take the wisdom that I've learned from how they operate and then apply it to my industry, to my business, to what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? That's how entrepreneurial niggas should think. But like I said, the key is if he pulls it off and makes all these other niggas um, who so-called got billions of dollars, got a billion, close to a billion, a hundred million, all this shit, it makes them look bad. You understand what I'm saying? It, may, it, it will make them look bad because it's like, nigga, what you doing? You know what I'm saying? It's like, what are you doing? Jigga? We're just trying to think about all these people, LeBron and all you niggas. That's another reason why they tried to squash Ice Cube. Ice Cube is also on that Dr. Claw Powernomics tip. He mentioned him. He mentioned him when he tried to go to Trump with the uh, platinum plan for Nubian folks. Dr. Claude Anderson was one of his mentors and other, you know, economic people, whatever the case may be. But that's what he's doing with the um, that league that he started called, uh, what is it called? What's his league called? Help me out here. Three ball. Uh, I forget the name of Ice Cube's Hoop League. But he just got um, some kind of, like, level of recognition as, the, uh, as um, being the first Big three, thank you. Yeah, big three. He just got crowned. Let me see. Let me find it. Um, Ice Cube, big three. Big Ice Cube, Cube, big three. He just got some kind of a recognition of. Um, here we go. You love watching the big three. You like it or rich? I got to watch it. I must say I have not watched a game, a full-on game. I've seen some highlights. It's more entertaining than the – ooh, oh, shit. Is that right or rich? Oh, now you done – oh, you're saying something now. Oh, you're saying something. I got Now I got to watch it. Oh, now I got to watch it. Rich says it's more entertaining than the goddamn NBA. NBA Open had opening night last night, and I didn't even watch. That's how disenchanted I am with NBA basketball. Last night was opening night, and I did not watch it. And my Lakers was playing. I didn't watch it. I'm just saying, shit ain't been right since Kobe left, but, you know. 
<laughs> since, since Kobe retired, I kind of really stopped watching anyway. Niggas ain't got no fucking heart. But um, but check it out. Check it out, though. Ice Cube's Big Three becomes certified as the first professional black-owned sports league. Did y'all know that? Did, you, did y'all know that? That Ice Cube's Big Three is the first certified black-owned league. You know how many years we've been talking about niggas getting their own leagues? You know what I'm saying? Ice Cube has pulled it off. But there is a machine going up against him, and it is called the NBA. The NBA is trying to stop Big Three from growing. Do you know ESPN shows no fucking highlights at all? No scores, no mentions, none of that of the big three. None of that. Come on now. These ESPN covers Little League Baseball. Amateur Little League 12-year-olds playing baseball is on their network. Skateboards, skateboarding is on their network. Bowling, bowling. Professional bowling is on ESPN, but the big three gets nothing. Not a mention, not a shout-out, not a highlight, nothing. Absolutely a risk of golf. Risk of golf that ESPN is bought and paid for by the NBA. Ding, 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 ding. They don't want it. They don't want it to succeed because if it evolves, because everything is about an evolution, right? Because you never want to be in one place. You always want to keep growing. So the big three can evolve into a full fledged five on five full-court game once they built up their base by their format that they have now. You see what I'm saying? Then they become direct competition to the NBA. Fully owned nigga league with a black owner. You see what I'm saying? That's what they don't want. This is what this shit is about. It is about Nubis establishing an economic stronghold within industry, entertainment, business, all this shit. Yeah, uh, Nubi, yeah. I, I think the, the primary source of players are uh, retired NBA players, if I'm not mistaken, or, or players who um, ended their careers earlier for whatever reason um, are playing over there. I know Coutinho, Coutinho Mobley, a uh, fine ass, is playing in that league with his um, gray-bearded ass, looking like Santa Claus, black, skinny Santa Claus, balling. <laughs> you know, he used to play for the Clippers, man. I always always liked Coutinho Mobley. He played with uh, Lamar Odom at Rhode Island in, in college. Um, always loved his game. Um, you know, Ty said, the contract they signed is, a, is life insurance policy and more. We said all of them took the drink so that the end of 
So that's the end of the NBA, <laughs> right? So, so again, this is what we're talking about. It is about movements taking control over industries that we know we influence, that we influence. We influence the culture, the direction, all that. We are the centerpiece, and that's what it has become. We know that's the case with sports and entertainment. It's not even close. It's fucking hands down. Nigga, bow down. Niggas are the centerpiece and the highlight of the entertainment and sports and entertainment industry. We are the main attractions, right? Don't nobody go to no football game to watch Jerry Jones sit in his box. Don't nobody go to the NBA to see fucking um, Jeannie Buss sitting her shit for the L.A. Lakers. Nobody, we go to see the niggas run and jump and do marvelous feats of athletic you know, things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what we're going to see. We're going to see niggas fly in the air. We want to see niggas show their physical prowess and shit and their agility and their cat-like reflexes on a fucking field. It's a show. It is a marvelous fucking exhibition as well as singing and dancing. So how can you not know when it's time to do your own thing. But like you said, um, I think Bar L said it's the fear. The fear is the fear it's the fear of failure. The fear is a motherfucker, man. The fear of failure. Understand, if you didn't have that fear, you couldn't actually accomplish what you want. You can't if you don't have fear, you know, fear is necessary if you are strong minded enough to not be paralyzed by the fear. Because fear can have a paralysis, a paral- you know, have a effect of paralysis on you. If you are fearful, you get frozen. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to think. You don't. You don't want to make that move. You don't want to do it out of fear. But if you can conquer that fear, I always say, everything you want is on the other side of that fear. You know what I'm saying? It's on the other side of that fear. And so we have to always overcome our fears. You know what I'm saying? That's different from intuition of danger. Fear is not the same as you having your intuition of danger that protects you. You know? But that's that shit. So anyway, that's that shit that Kanye is talking about. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to Ice Cube. It said, Boardroom will post that the Big Three has become the first professional sports league to be certified as a black-owned and operated league um, by the Chamber of Commerce, Ice Cube, on the Big Three. He said, myself and the entire league are honored to be officially certified by the um, U.S. um, Chambers of Commerce and the Black Chambers of Commerce. Um, From day one, the league has been dedicated to providing opportunities for black players, fans, investors, and partners, and we are proud to be a part of a nationwide network of black-owned businesses. Supporting black enterprise is a lifelong passion of mine, and the big three will continue to build upon the success to lift up black entrepreneurs. Stay true, my nigga. Stay true. I just hope he stay true. Stay on the stay on the – keep that focus on that. Because that's the shit – 
you know, that a lot of these other groups do that black folks have yet to put together. And they're telling you it's America's worst nightmare. Um, Public Enemy told you a long time ago they have fear of a black planet. It's fear of a black planet. And it's fear of moving people who got their shit in order. Economics. Economics is power. Economics is power in, in, in within a society. I'm not talking about the other types of power. I'm talking about the economic power within a structured system, so to speak, which America economic system is. All right? Man, God damn, Miss Hudson, you be on it. <laughs> you be on it. Fear of a black planet. You know what I'm saying? That is truly what they fear. If niggas are able to establish themselves in industries and become direct competition, then you can then you have the levers, then you can start controlling some of the levers of power for real, for real. And that get niggas out of this vicious three strike circles that a lot of niggas are in. Because then you start doing for self, providing for your fellow brother and sister. I got dreams too, my nigga. <laughs> I got big dreams too. All right, you know what I'm I got big dreams too. We all do. God damn it. Ain't nothing wrong with that. When nigga Pac said, plan, plot, and strategize. Then bomb first. You understand? Plan and strategize, and then bomb first. Oh, I, I lo- always love that part when you say that. <laughs> I think I always went over niggas' heads like, did you get? Did you think you get that? What he said? <laughs> but yeah, I'm a little congested, so forgive me for if I sound a little congested. But yeah, but shout out to Q, man, because that's what it's about. You allow. When you build something, um, like um, Dominique, Dominique comes in here every once in a while on Donna Colleone's show and telling niggas, look, you can get a piece to your own thing that's providing opportunities for newbies. Control, control your brand. You know, you have control of what you do. He's just providing the platform. I love that type of shit. I love it, and I just think we need that shit all the way around the board and in every industry that's out here. Every every industry. So, so anyway, that's why they don't like Kanye and what he's saying right now because he's actually talking it and he's making it a point to talk about it and talking about it unapologetically, right? And he's dropping names, right? He's dropping names. And he's telling you, the, the again, the principalities of darkness that don't want to see niggas come to light. To niggas to truly awaken, to truly awaken to what they have the capacity to do. And one of the big hindrance of that for Nubian people is that fuck-ass Black Lives Matter bullshit. You understand me? That is a hindrance to Nubians. And it's a mental hindrance. They don't like 
when we say we don't want the victimhood mentality. We want to be victorious. And we got to get our, and it's, and it's, it's just a struggle to convey that to other black folks. It's not that you saying that fuck, you know, brutality, fuck wrongdoings that are done to Nubian people. And don't, that's, that's not saying you forget atrocities. That's not saying you don't, you know, try to hold people accountable. That's not saying you forget your roots. That's not, you know what I'm saying? That's not saying any of those things. It is to say you don't have to play the cards you are dealt. If you understand alchemy, the power of the mind, and understanding how a system works, you can change the cards. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to have, you don't have to be stuck with the cards you are dealt. But through that power that you possess, you can switch the cards. That's a conversation a lot of black folks don't like having for some reason. It is like real taboo to have these them type of conversations amongst black folks to say, fuck all that other shit, you know. Stop waiting on these fucking politicians. Stop waiting on thinking that you're going to get, you ain't getting no fucking reparations out of America, black folk. Nubins, whatever you going by this week, you ain't getting it. You ain't getting it. They will never give you that shit. You want you understand? They 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 scared to give it to you because they could if they wanted to, but they ain't because they fear. A people's power base lies in its economics, and that's one of the things I've always, one of my favorite aspects of Dr. York. He understood, he understood business. He was a businessman with a business mind. He knew he had to wake niggas up out of that slumber of sleep and religion to get them thinking on another level. And he told you niggas, look, I'm building a foundation that you can go do business off of shit that I teach. You can go create commerce, nigga. Because he understood that a people's power relies in its economic power base. Thank you, newbie. We got 90 seconds, y'all. 90 seconds before we get ready to hit. OT 90 seconds in the building before we get ready to go to the next hour of the show. I'm going to go until I can't go no more, I, su- I suppose. <laughs> because like he said, these, these shows are never scripted. Uh, I don't even know where I'm going to go from here. You know? Because I don't, I don't have no articles and no shit like that. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to talk to y'all about this shit here. How is it, and how it plays into politics, though, because it does have a political implication. It does have political implications. Because once you become a power player based on a a, a group's economics, then you really have the dynamic, you really have the dynamic to influence policy, especially on the local level, especially on the state and local level. 
I don't know about too much on the federal level. Yeah, you're going to send some people to Congress and, you know what I'm saying, you can get some um, appropriation bills done that send money back to your district. But it's really the the governorship and all those local politicians that can really change and have an effect on a community. You see what I'm saying? So I have no respect for people like Maxine Waters and the likes because they've been politicians for 50 years. They've been politicians who presided over places like Compton and all these other places, and they don't do shit but put their cronies in there who do nothing and have no effective change within the community. You see what I'm saying? And then they use the pain and the trauma of Nubian folks to better themselves and themselves only and to gaslight black folks. You see? You got to keep them on their knees, begging and crying and hollering. That's all they do. So I have no respect for that movement, that movement, movement that Black Lives Matter was a psychological niggas on their knees, hollering, begging, and crying. You weep. You weep for. Uh, you weep for Mike Brown. You you weep for. Um, Tamir Rice, you weep for George Floyd, you weep for um, Trayvon Martin, you weep, you cry, and you holler for them. Then they use your energy and manipulate you through your pain and your collective remorse for your people to go do the things that they need to do. And and, and that's the shit that's going to keep them in power and keep them rolling. That's the saddest part. And moving people don't want to have that conversation. So they rather live in a comforting lie of things. They rather they rather sit in that. And they don't like when people talk truth. But they say the truth is bitter, baby. It don't taste good going in your mouth, but it's good for you. Sometimes the things that heal you don't taste great, but it has healing properties, <laughs> a.k.a. Uh, what's my shit? Uh, <laughs> what's my shit? Chlorilla. Chlorilla don't taste good. Moringa don't, but goddamn, is it good for you? Yes, it is. It has the power to heal. It has the power to bring down your cholesterol and your high blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, not not tasty at all. Absolutely, it's not tasty. It's not good to the. Just not taste good to the palate. But it's good for you. And so, like I said, after um, to, you know, tonight's show, uh, I'm going to play the um, greatest lie ever sold, um, the Black Lives Matter um, thing because. Again, what is what what is what has come out of that? What has come out of that movement? What has come out of that movement? Can anybody tell me here? Press one if you're on the call line. I see the, the the you know the call line is packed. I appreciate all y'all on the call line. What's up, family? Everybody that's here tonight. What's good with your family? Could anybody tell me what has come out of the Black Lives Matter movement? Moving people. Two years later. Two years later, let's take a look at their website. 
Let's go back and take a look at their website. Go ahead and look at my screen for Family in the Mansion. Let's go. Wow, look at this shit. Look at this when you go on. Look at this when you go on that shit. First, I want to make sure, are you a human? BlackLivesMatter.com needs to review the security of the connection before proceeding. Have you ever seen that shit before? They just want to keep track who who on who on their shit. <laughs> That's cool. I ain't scared. All right, let's go here on the horses. They say go do the horses. Well, that's, that's that's right. He's just putting the tracking cookie on on my shit, uh, Sadia. Uh, okay. All right. Because they claim they helping people, right? They claim that they help black folks, right? All right. Let's just take a look. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, look! Look at this, y'all. Look at this. Oh, look at this. Help us fight disinformation. I di- I didn't know Black Lives Matter was a arm of the disinformation campaign. Black Lives Matter is the central target of disinformation, and you are are, are the key line of defense. Report suspicious sites, stories, ads, social accounts, and post about BLM. Holy shit. They want niggas to turn in other niggas. Or anybody. We just we gonna say niggas for the sake of this conversation. Let me read that again. Black Lives Matter is a central target disinformation. And you are the key line of defense. Report suspicious sites, stories, ads, social accounts, and post. Just a post. Report it to us. Understand this, y'all. Remember when, when, when Mr. Larry and myself read the Build Back Better the Build Back Better bill. And there was a section that talked about that they wanted to put people who they deemed were this, um, were producers and reposters of false information into a databank, into a database, right? This is that type shit. This is that type of thing. Tell us on social media who 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 put these um articles out. Tell us what these sites look like. Report it to us. Tell us who making posts about us. That's the kind of information they want. Pe- Nin- this is 1984. Remember when in the movie and in the book, 1984, it got into a point where the government did not have to do anything. They had enough people to go along with the plan that they start policing each other, and they would tell on each other. You didn't need no, no police force to come do that because people 
We're turning other people in, keeping the other ones in check. And see, to me, that's this type of social experiment that they got going on with Kanye. White folks ain't got to tell him to shut up. You understand what I'm saying? Networks ain't got to tell him to shut up and dribble like they told LeBron or shut up and stop kneeling so-called like they call Kaepernick. They ain't got to do that to Kanye because black folks is already doing it for them, at least attempting to. They don't have to do it. I could be completely wrong in my assertion of Kanye West, completely wrong. I don't think I am. Keep looking at Black Lives Matter. This is the uh, organization for the people. Let's keep on looking. All right. We're not. We're not even going to talk about how. Remember that Patrice McCullough said that she is a trained Marxist. Has no, I mean, she's a trained Marxist. No problem admitting that. I, I didn't see how black folks just let that ride. They didn't even question none of that shit. They was like, oh, okay, I, I guess so. That's cool, I, I guess. <laughs> Understanding that they have no understanding of the Marxist revolutions within Europe, and particularly um, Italy, um, within China. Marxist revolutions and what you know what what that did to thousands and thousands of people. <laughs> God damn. Oh, Miss Hudson, she got OJ talking about 1984. Whew. Man, the juice, man, the juice, man. They ain't got nothing on the juice, man. Juice done beat the system. The juice is telling the truth. <laughs> OJ, the juice is telling the truth. He's like, I know what's up. All right, let's go look at some other things. <clears throat> oh, let's look at some of their demands. Let's look at some of their demands. Look at this, y'all. Now, what again? What, what, once again, uh, what is Black Lives Matter supposed to be to black folks? What is this organization supposed to mean? What are they supposed to stand for? Is it the empowerment and the demand for social justice for, for, for black folks? Is that – I thought that was kind of their, their goal. Was it to stop police brutality, right? Right, yeah, right, Sadia. I thought it was just, you know, to check and stop police brutality, of the innocent killing of black people, Sandra, Sandra Bland and and uh, George Floyd and and all those things, right? Okay. So that was supposed to be their mission, right? Social justice, right? That's just one arm. Police brutality. I guess that one was economic. I don't know. Who who knows? But that's what we know they came up off of, right? And to change the judicial system, right? Crooked cops, crooked judges, crooked DAs, and stuff like that. Because you know that was a part of the um, um, that was a part of the Trayvon Martin thing. That 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 was a crooked situation that 
that dude goes free for, for, for killing the young boy. Well, let's go over their seven demands. And you tell me if this is top priority for, for Nubian folk, for black people, right? Number one, convict and ban Trump from future political office. What? Wait, who the – wait a minute, what? The number one demand for Black Lives Matter, the number one demand is to make sure to convict and ban Trump for future political office. Black, what he did? I didn't know he, I didn't know he, I didn't know he was responsible for niggas dying in the streets. That sounds like you are a tool of a of a, a political party. That means that you are a, a you are rousing you are you are rebel rousing the people who follow you to have a particular political agenda, a particular political agenda. That's the number one demand. Make sure to convict him and make sure he can ever run for office. A particular particular political agenda, right? Let's go number two. Check it out. Number two, bail Republican members of Congress who attempted to overthrow the election and incited a white supremacist attack. Wait a minute, Black Lives Matter? Expel Republican Congress members, members of Congress who attempted to overturn the election and incite a white supremacy. Is, is this not, what, what is this, the Democratic National Convention website? That's what it sounds like. Did anything that happened on January 6th affect black people? Did it did it make your life worse? Did anything that happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hold on one second. Hold on one second, y'all. Hold on one second. Quick commercial. Quick commercial. Hold on, fam. Quick commercial break. Hold on one second. Let's 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 do this right here. Let's listen to Michael Jordan. Look at the air. Look at the hand. People always debated, who's the greatest player of all time? Dumb question. It should be, who's the greatest team of all time? WGAG Radio. Sorry, Showtime. WGAG Radio. Back to back. WGAG Radio. First three P. WGAG Radio. Even with the flu. WGAG Radio. No push off. WGAG Radio. And my favorite. 
Tough to beat that. What? You think there's someone else? Prove it. person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected woman, a person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. The strong black woman is dead. On August 12, 1999, at 11.55 p.m., while struggling with the reality of being a human instead of a myth, the strong black woman passed away. Medical sources say she died of natural causes, but those who knew her know she died from being silent when she should have been screaming, milling when she should have been raging, from being sick and not wanting anyone to know because her pain might inconvenience them. She died from an overdose of other people clinging to her when she didn't even have energy for herself. She died from loving men who didn't love themselves and could only offer her a crippled reflection. She died from raising children alone and for not being able to do a complete job. She died from the lies her grandmother told her mother and her mother told her about life, men, and racism. She died from being sexually abused as a child and having to take that truth everywhere she went every day of her life, exchanging the humiliation for guilt and back again. She died from being battered by someone who claimed to love her, and she allowed the battering to go on to show she loved him too. She died from asphyxiation, coughing up blood from secrets she kept trying to burn away instead of allowing herself the kind of nervous breakdown she was entitled to but only white girls could afford. She died from being responsible because she was the last wrong on the ladder and there was no one under her she could dump on. The strong black woman is dead. She died from multiple births of children she never really wanted but was forced to have by the strangling morality of those around her. She died from being a mother at 15 and a grandmother at 30 and an ancestor at 45. She died from being dragged down and set upon by unevolved women posing as sisters. She died from pretending the life that she was living was a Kodak moment instead of a 20th century. She died from tolerating Mr. Pitiful just to have a man and the house. She died from lack of orgasms because she never learned what made her body happy. And no one took the time to teach her. And sometimes when she found arms that was tender, she died because they belonged to the same gender. She died from sacrificing herself for everybody and everything when what she really wanted to do was to be a singer, a dancer, and some magnificent other. She died from lies of omission because she didn't want to bring the black man down. She died from race memories of being snatched and raped and snatched and sold and snatched and bred and snatched and whipped and snatched and worked to death. She died from tribute from her counterpart who should have been matching her effort instead of showering her with dead words and empty songs. She died from myths that would not allow her to show weakness without being chastised by the lazy and hazy. She, she died from her real feelings until they became hard and bitter enough to invade her womb and breast like angry tumors. She died from always lifting something from heavy boxes to refrigerators. The strong black woman is dead. She died from the punishments received from being honest about life, racism, and men. She died from being called a bitch for being verbal, a dyke for being assertive, and a whore for picking her own lovers. She died from never being enough of what men wanted or being too much for the men she wanted. She died from being too black and died again for not being black enough. She died from castration every time somebody thought of her as only a woman or treated her like less than a man. She died from being misinformed about her mind 
her body, and the extent of her royal capability. She died from knees pressed too close together because respect was never part of the foreplay that was being shoved at her. She died from loneliness in birthing rooms and aloneness in abortion centers. She died of shock in courtrooms where she sat alone, watching her children being legally lynched. She died in bathrooms with her veins bursting open with self-hatred and neglect. She died in her mind fighting life, racism, and men, where her body was carted away and stashed in a human warehouse for the spiritually mutilated. And sometimes when she refused to die, when she refused to give in, she was killed by the lethal images of blonde hair, blue eyes, and flat butts, rejected by the OJs, the Quincy's, and the Fortiers. Sometimes she was stomped to death by racism, sexism, executed by high-tech ignorance, while she carried the family in her belly, the community on her head, and the race on her back. The strong, silent, talking black woman is dead, or is she still alive and kicking? disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected woman, person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And as Muslims, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us to respect our women and to protect our women. And the only time a Muslim really gets real violent is when someone goes to molest his woman. We will kill you for our woman. I'm, I'm making it plain. Yes. We will kill you for our woman. WGAG Radio presents Hot Damn Politics. All right. All right, all right, I'm forward. Where were we at, y'all? I was so really interrupted. Like one of my chitter links, one of my little people, um, we were talking about BLM and their fake-ass demands. You can't hear me? Oh, you can't hear me? Uh-oh. Yes? Okay. <laughs> so, Don, oh, yeah, I see the thumbs up. All right, all right. Yes, yes. Okay. <clears throat> so let's get back to it. Thank you all for being for patient. Thank you for your patience, everybody on the call lines, everybody in the chat room. Thank you for your patience. All right. So number two was the expelled expulsion of Republican Congress people who attempted to overthrow the election. Okay. Number three, launch a full investigation into ties between white supremacy and the Capitol Police, law enforcement, and the military. Let me tell you something, Black Lives Matter. Tell you something, motherfuckers. Let me tell you, let me tell you whole something. Agent provocateurs were all throughout that shit that happened on January 6th. And it ain't got shit to do with white supremacy. Not a goddamn thing to do with white supremacy. There are particular people that wanted to create a particular situation to have a desired outcome. So there was infiltration by players in the Capitol Police, in law enforcement, and the military, and dare I say, Congress people too. All right? 
Ain't got shit to do with nobody else. White supremacy. Absolutely, Don. Crisis actors, I call them um, Asian provocateurs. Yes, them folks. All throughout there. So this is a frivolous statement. Again, they are political pundits in arms of the Democratic National Committee. Because that's all you see going on out here. See, a party, it's one thing to be politically involved as an organization. Well, you're not supposed to do the dirty work. Or, see, it ain't even the dirty work. They just out here to control the minds of niggas. That's all BLM is made to do. Like I said, it's to keep motherfuckers in an emotional, victimized state of being. So you feed on their fears and you feed on their worst, um, and, you know, their worst thoughts of what could have what could happen. White supremacy, white supremacy all throughout, you know, the structure of um, of America and all these political parties. Do you know some of the biggest white supremacists sitting over there, pretending to be your ally, pretending to be your ally? Some of the biggest races you could ever meet. And they know how to play it well because they want something from you. They have to get something out of you. They have to invoke something in you so that they pretend to be with you. And that's what they got going on. That is the purpose of Black Lives Matter. Again, remember, this whole said she is a trained Marxist. Marxists and people who are organizers are masters in psychology, so to speak, to be straight up, straight up. This was Barack Obama, too. I know niggas hate to hear it. I know they hate to hear it, but it was your beloved Barack Obama, too. He was, tra- he was trained under Sal Selinsky. He does not hide it. If you don't know who Saul Selinsky and that group was, the Weathermen, all those folks out there in Chicago, Chi-Town, where he was placed, he came from the same elements. To, all right, Sadia, to pull on these niggas' heartstrings. Uh-huh. Number four. Permanent ban, permanently ban Trump from all digital media platforms. What, what, what this got to do with Black Lives? I just gave you the top four demands of Black Lives Matter. All of them have to do with Trump. What the fuck does banning this man from social media go do for Black Lives? <laughs> well, yes, Adonai, what's up? Hold on. Hold on a second. Um, shit, hold on, y'all. Uh, What's the password? Huh? What's the password? Uh, I'll show you in a minute. Here. There you go. So what was the password? I- I'm going to write it down for you so you can have it for yourself. Okay. All right. Close the door. So, incredible, y'all. That's the first four. 
all four of us. Let's, let's go to number five. Defund the police. All right. Now, you know this is my big thing with the defund the police. Okay. They really they want to divert funds from the police department into other social needs and programs and all that shit. I'm sorry. I always tell you what that shit is to me. It's called poverty pimping. That means you can go ahead and give money that's supposed to go to these um, the police department to non-governmental organizations and other nonprofits that go up and set up these goddamn organizations that to me, and at the end of the day, is nothing but poverty pimping. What are the results of um, those programs, okay? I don't see no re-education and skilling and the reskilling of black folks, giving them the necessary skill set that they need to go ahead and take care of themselves and their family if you say that's what you're trying to do, if you say that is the bane of the existence of poverty and crime. It's because niggas are not suited for the world, and they can't go out here and function and make shit happen for themselves. But God damn it, where are the, where are the facilities? Where is the learning center, bitch? Where are they? Where, they, where do they reside? Who do you have over there? What people are you bringing in? What academics? What engineers are you bringing in? What scientists are you bringing in? What biology? What, what skills are you providing with the programs that you said that is needed to get people out of a, a cycle, a vicious cycle of self-destruction? Where is it? It's been two years. I know for a fact my home, my hometown, Oakland, California, was the first city to get um, over $100 million towards these types of programs. Guess what? Crime is up in Oakland by 50%. Niggas getting jacked, robbed, steal, killed, breaking and entering at an all-time high. Where is your street um your street, what they be saying they need, where is your uh, conflict resolution group that you said we're going to stymie all these confrontations in the street? If we can get to the youngsters before they funk and they retaliate, okay, well, I need some data to see how that's going. I need some data. How's that program going? How many children have do you have in your program? How many um, tragedies have you averted through your um, we need social workers and um, crime preventionalists to get at the root? Because that's what you said you needed. That's why you said we need to say we don't need to the we need we need those allocate those funds for for the community. I'm saying y'all. That defund the police shit is a joke. All right, let's see what they say about that. The police that met our BLM protesters this summer with assault rifles, tear gas, and military-grade protective gear were the same police that on Wednesday met white supremacists with patience and the benefit of the doubt, going so far as to pose with selfies with rioters. The contrast was drawing, but not for black people. We have always known who the police truly protect and serve, and serve D.C. as the most police per capita in the country. More funding is not the solution. Okay, you see that? 
But which fund is it? Is it DC? Is it the DC funding? Or that nationwide? So we're not going to talk about how they actually called off particular set of police that they actually said need to be sent in to control that crowd, and Nancy Pelosi called that off. They don't talk about that. That is actually a stated fact. That is a matter of fact. That's not hyperbole. That's not conjecture. That's no guessing. She did that. That's on record. That she called off reinforcements that was supposed to be there to control the crowd, letting you know that that was a staged situation. They knew if you rob, they know how to do shit like that. You get enough people. Hey, if you in a crowded, if you in a crowded theater and you got four or five motherfuckers who coordinate together and break out and start running, they know the rest are going to follow because they think something is going to happen. Go ahead and be in a room at, at, at the movie theater and then five of your partners and you just break out running. <laughs> I bet you get a good majority that will start running too because. They think something's popped off. So that's the same type of tactic you have with people over there January January 6th. You have police letting them people in, people hopping the fences, all that shit, and they knew there was going to be a big crowd that was just going to do nothing but follow. That's why they was taking pictures in the Capitol. That's why they was sitting on the desk with their feet up. But anyway, I ain't here to defend that shit. It just is what it is. Number six, don't let the coup be used as an excuse to crack down on our movement. What coup? In response to the coup, politicians have already introduced the Domestic Terrorist Act of 2021. We've seen this playbook before. These laws are used to target black and brown communities for heightened surveillance. Republicans are already busy trying to create an equivalence between the mob on January 6th in our Freedom Summer. That's a Freedom Summer, bitch. You burn down black communities that still haven't been built back. That's your Summer of Freedom. We don't need domestic terror, terror laws, facial recognition, or any other new police power of the state. Our government should protect righteous protests and stay focused on the real issue, rooting out white supremacy. There are enough laws, resources, and intelligence, but we're not um, used to stop the coup. Our election officials must uncover why. Number seven, pass the Breath Act. The police were born out of slave patrols. We cannot reform the institution built upon white supremacy. We need a new radical approach to public safety and community investment. President Biden has already drawn the Breath Act and his executive actions calling for racial equity screens in federal programs, investing in environmental justice at historic levels, and engaging in system impact communities. The Breath Act paints a vision of a world where black lives matter through investments in housing, education, health, and the environmental justice. The Breath Act. Would he, he, he ain't passed no breath act. What breath act? What what that's what that's at? Because I show no it, it ain't been no executive orders uh signed for no breath act. Let's see. Let me let me look. I could be wrong. I don't want to be wrong. All right? Let's let's be right. Did Biden pass 
the Breath Act. Okay, let's see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, it's just a proposal. It's a proposal that they wanted to stuff in the um, ominous spending bill. Now, we, we always go over these types of bills, y'all, when we um, when we break down the bill, especially the spending package, because they like to put all these little things that they have in there. Um, let's see what's their path. The bill was unveiled on January 7, 2020, as protests of spring, police brutality. Okay, so the answer is no. The answer is no. But why? Why? They gave you the Asian Protection Act. Bill, he signed that day one. What was it, the Violence Against Asians? Some shit like that? The Asian Protection Plan or something? (laughs) He He did that off the rip. You and get your breath at. Hmm. So, hey. Mm-mm-mm. It wasn't passed. It wasn't put in that ominous bill. They didn't pass it. If they didn't, and if they didn't pass it, Guess what that means, fam? That means that their allies on the Democratic ticket didn't vote to have that be a part of the ominous spending bill because you have to agree on amendments that you want to put in the bill. What's going to be put in? What should we take out? That goes back and forth between the House of Representatives and the Senate. So that means. Them people who says they're your ally, including the squad, Ayanna Presley, um, Il- Ilyan Omar, uh, Rashid Ta- uh, Talib, Maxine Waters, Karen Bass, Cory Booker, Raphael Warnock. Yeah, they ain't pass it. Mm. Absolutely a risk of all. They working for Democrats, but the Democrats don't give them a damn thing. Oh, I mean, but Patrice, you know, McCullers and them, they well taken care of. I mean, shit, you know, they, they got mansions and shit. You know, they got tens of millions of dollars in the bank off of Black Lives Matter. And because it looks so bad, they're going after the underlings of that organization. Have you peeped that? You peep how they're going after the underlings, but they're not going after the leaders. Some of the underlings, they've um, tried to bring up um, claims of um, misappropriations of funds for some of the other um, regional directors of Black Lives Matter for some of the money that they were um, funneling out of the situation. But, But, yeah. But that's Black Lives Matter, man. Um, okay, so as we look on this website, and I go get in your bed. What? Get up and go in your bed. Why? Because I need you here. 
Tony Vance. Um, where's the um, we we for the community part? Like we're doing, we're investing in in the community. I'm, I'm looking here. I'm trying to find grassroots. Maybe the response from BLM is a lawyer. Okay, it's a no. Um, national voter registration. No. Um, hear directly from the BLG board members. Um, uh, black women are divine. Okay. They sure know how to play on the niggas' um, insecurities. Um, I'm trying to figure out where's the, um, you know, because they got like $80 million in donations. So... Um, is there pro? Are they giving out money anywhere to black folks? Can we get some money? Hold on, let's check out the resources. Oh, they got a survival fund. Let's check it out. Let's check out the survival fund. <clears throat> Introducing the Black Lives Matter Survival Fund, funding our own survival so we can thrive. Since the beginning of the pandemic, the government has not done enough to support black people, leaving too many of us on survival mode. Before COVID-19, there was already a racial wealth gap, um, and this pandemic has exacerbated it. BLM GNF and BLM Grassroots designed the BLM Survival Fund to support black people and their families facing economic hardships during the pandemic by giving them cash as a means to support, to keep them in their homes, keep food on the table, and ultimately provide a little breathing room in their lives. Let's check it out. Let's keep going. I say you got the they go Karen Bass. Look at Karen Bass. All right. All right. How to apply. Oh shit, let's apply. Here we go. Let's see. So much needs to be done. The BLM Survival Fund has met its goal of providing direct support to three thousand black people and their families. And we'll be closing the application until further notice. What? Yo. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They done closed. They, they y'all. Hey, hey. They they done closed the survival fund already. Oh, wait a minute, nigga. I thought black survival was every day. I thought they needed to survive to be able to thrive every day. Why would you ever cap, put a cap on the number of black folks and families that you help? They said they reached, they go at 3,000. How many black folks in America, y'all? How many black folks in America? Let's just do the math. Through the map. Let's see what they come up with. Let's see what Google tells us. How many black Americans are live in the USA? They say it's forty one point seven of us. Let's double that because I don't believe those motherfuckers. Let's say it's double that. They gave money to three thousand families. Three thousand. Three thousand. According to Google, as of twenty twenty, it's forty two million black folks. 
in, in, in America. 3,000. A rich girl, that ain't even a drop, boo. That ain't even a drop in the bucket. That's a, I don't even know. That's a mist. That's a, you know what I'm That's like a mist in the bucket. You know how mist is? It don't even, you, you know, like when it's precipitation and there's mist in the air and it, you don't, like it never hits the ground because it's so light, like so airy, the mist, it just, it never like hits the ground. Like with a drop, you can see, you know, the condensation of a drop hitting the ground. You can see that the drop hit the ground, right? And it's wet right there. 3,000 families out of tens of millions is absolutely nothing. And they reach their goal. They, they, they don't close. We're we, we not taking no more applications right now. We're we, we not. We could. We could. We're we good right now. But you just raised nearly $80 million. $80 million. How much money would you give in these families? How much you want to bet they ain't give them more than five grand? I know that I bet you they ain't even give them five grand. How much y'all? How much y'all think they won't even tell us? See, that's 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 the thing. You ain't even transparent. How much? How much? You, how much you giving them families? I can't believe this. BLM Survival Fund has met its goal of providing direct support of nearly three thousand black people and their families, and we will be closing applications until further notice. Well, yeah, I don't know what else I can say. <laughs> man, fuck BLM, man. But hey, you say that to the to the to the right black folks, they they call you a coon. You say it to the right black folks, they swear you hate your people. You say fuck BLM to black folks, they say you hate yourself. What I've come to know about movements, they don't even mind being cheated and shitted on. But they, they, it's like they're immune to it at this point in time. Not to mention that the whole shit was, was then taken over by suburban white women and homosexuals. Okay. <laughs> right, Arisco. Arisco said, as long as you don't send mean tweets, it's incredible. Speaking of mean tweets, I think, uh, you know, because um, shout out to Kanye again because he's buying, he just bought um, Parler. <laughs> he bought um, Parler, um, the application Parler, the um, social media uh, app Parler. You know, that's what they say. All the right wing people went. I'm going to support Brother Kanye, and I'm going to get an account just because because a nigga owns it. I'm going to make me a profile on Parlor because Kanye owns it. All right? I may not ever post nothing if because I don't know how the action is. I go check it out. I'm going to support the brother with that one. But yeah, let's listen to Brother Kanye one more time. Before we get ready to roll out here, Semitic. I'm gonna I'm gonna name you some anti-Semitic shit right now, right? Because you're Jew. Let me put it like this. 
Remember I talked about the chakras? Remember I talked about Rick Rubin? I talked about the 808? The chakras is real. Now, I'm going to say some anti semitic shit. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. That's the real anti-Semitic shit that the Jewish people get paid off. Now, let me little Apple move. Let me move on Apple right now. How, much, how many people want to bet their house that that content is not within the first three songs on Apple rap music? Nobody. So they're going to have to take my life before they take my people. Semitic, I'm going I'm to name. It's straight crickets, straight crickets. I was, you know, I don't know. I'm, 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 I might be a dreamer, you know. I'm just a dreamer. Um, because at times we can sound like hypocrites. I can sound like a hypocrite because growing up in the '90s, listening to gangster rap and everything from Too Short to UGK, the 3-6 Mafia, to um, Sugar Free, Snoop Dogg, you know, to Pop, where niggas was bitches, bitches was hoes, you know. We understood that part. We talked about this many times here. This is not a new conversation. But the amplification of that music and it as a and it, and it being a soul the like one of the sole business models of hip hop there has to be a change. And somebody got to say it. And somebody who is a player in the game has to say it. Because I'm sorry, KRS-One. We love you, Chris. Ain't nobody giving a fuck when you say that shit got to stop. You're too far removed. You're, like, you're almost 60. Yeah, KRS-One is almost 60 years old. So I ain't really hearing you. Kanye's 45. But he still makes, a, he still makes music for today, and he has a lot of those younger artists under him that he produces for, like that young nigga Fabi, Fabio something shit. I forget. I don't know how they pronounce these names. I don't know. Fabio something. He's a new artist. Um, he was um, he was up for the BET Awards for like new rap artists. Uh, I think the homegirl Glorilla beat her out, beat him out, or something like that. But he's a Kanye West produced artist. Right, and um, so he has the. Uh, my point is that he has enough clout, enough fame, and enough money because these niggas love money. They value money very much. That is a that's a symbol of, of power and status for a lot of these young folks, for a lot of people in general. To 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 begin to take a on all on assault on this shit that is highly destructive for the community at this point. That's all I'm saying. 
That's all. One more time, Kanye, before uh, Neff roll up out of here. Semitic. I'm going I'm to name you some anti-Semitic shit right now, right? Because we're Jew. Let me put it like this. Remember I talked about the chakras? Remember I talked about Rick Rubin? I talked about the 808? The chakras are real. Now, that, well, I'm going to say some anti-Semitic shit. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. That's the real anti-Semitic shit that the Jewish people get paid off of. Now, let me a little Apple move. Can we want me on Apple right now? How many, how many people want to bet their house that that content is not within the first three songs on Apple rap music? Nobody. So they're going to have to take my life before they take my people. I'm going to name you some <laughs> Hold on, shit. My bad. Right? Hold on. My bad. Yeah. So, you know, so what happens after that said? J.P. Morgan tells him he has to move his money. They don't want to bank with him anymore. They want him to um, take his proceeds out of the bank, even though he's a major, he's a major account for, for J.P. Morgan Chase. Told him to move his money. But Jeffrey Epstein kept this money and J.P. Morgan until the day he escaped. And many more. He ain't the only one. He ain't the only one. Matter of fact, I think Don posted something too on Kanye. <clears throat> You know what I'm saying? Um, I think Don posted something on Kanye too. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go spy on Don's oh, page. Uh oh! Shout out to Star Child. She just posted something on there. Star Child. An hour ago. Donna Colleone and WJG Radio codenamed Super Bowl. Thank you for giving the knowledge of Nuwapu because I would probably be fucking ignorant <laughs> about a lot of shit that's revealing at this time. Intelligence saved me. That's what I'm talking about. Whole how there. We, I'm right there, and many of us are right there with you, Star Child. Shout out to Star Child. But Don has something she posted too. I'm going to play it. It's going to set us free. And what they do is, uh-uh. I'm not here to keep uh-uh. nobody secrets because uh-huh. it's only the truth that's going to set us free. And what they do is. The Jewish community, especially in the music industry, they'll take, in the entertainment period, they'll take one of us, the brightest of us, right, that can really feed a whole village, and they'll take us and milk us till we die, and then Stevie Wonder's son got to get a job, right? But Cameron Azoff got a job at Apple. He, I mean, he, he's already set up because of the way Azoff is connected and we have to make our own connections. That's what I saw. What I loved about it, I appreciate, I love Dove. Uh, kind of reminds me of what um, Ice Cube just said. Said he created the big three so he can have partners and black investors 
They can go on and get get your money. Let, let's build some shit. But hey. So they're gonna call him crazy. Now they're gonna say, see, and, and and what he said is I'm gonna go DEF CON on Jewish people. They call that anti Semitic. DEF CON means I'm going to expose it. I'm going to talk about them. Going DEF CON on the Jewish people. That's not, you know, a lot of people, hey, 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 just call it what it is. A lot of people don't want to touch on that, especially not people in his position. LeBron rapped a lyric that said, get money like Jewish people. That nigga had to issue an apology. Not to mention, fuck LeBron James, because he pulled the um, the shop, that talk show he got, he pulled Kanye's interview before it actually aired. He pulled it. So he didn't display it. Noriega had to come out here and apologize for having the episode, having Kanye on. You prove his point. You niggas proved his point about how you are controlled by the Jewish-run establishment. You proved it. You proved the crazy man right. And I've seen a lot of that's going on, and emotional black folks don't like that. Emotional black folks are mad that other black folks is like, yeah, you just proved incorrect. Because those are the people that run revolt. And see, you understand, he called he called Diddy a fan. Called uh, Meek Mills a fan. That's like a no-no. You don't do that. And then he went on Diddy's network and called him a fan to his face on his own network. I gotta like, gotta appreciate that. God damn. Puffy in the text messages telling this nigga to pull up. Let me give me your address. He said, "Fuck my address." Matter of fact. I'm about to come on your show. I'm about to come on your network and sit down on your network, which Puffy could have easily be there because he'd be there sometimes at Drinking Champs. He'd be there. He'd be in the studio. Anybody that know anything about the entanglement of the early years of hip-hop and how he got on, who he's connected with, the things that transpired, People can say he's working with some people. I'll just put that right there. Because these days, you can get sued for defamation. And let me tell you something about these defamation fucking cases. They think they slick with that shit, starting with that Cardi B, with that Tasha K shit. That, um, um, her being paid out for saying she had herpes or some shit. Um, the next one, Alex Jones getting um, for the Sandy Hook shit. The Sandy Hook, where, because he said it was crisis actors and all this other shit, making him pay $945 million to the families of Sandy Hook. And now George Floyd family is suing Kanye for $250,000 because he said that that nigga died as a result of that man sitting on him, but as a combination of that fentanyl and all that other shit that was in his system combined. Let me tell you something, y'all. That is a, those are cases 
that they needed to be to be made to be blown up. So you will silence anybody who becomes a dissenting voice. I literally sat and watched CNN. Check this out. I straight up, I watch CNN and the talking political pundits on that network say this here. We needed that Alec Jones verdict. We needed that. This is how we shut down anybody who wants to descend. Any type of dissent. So that means if you start questioning what you're seeing out here, you can get sued. You can be shut down, de deplatformed, and um, you know, them take all your financials, all that shit. So you won't question a damn thing you see because you can get sued. You can be deplatformed. Your life can be ruined. You see. I saw that shit with that Cardi B shit. If that's the case in every tabloid, every tabloid in America can't can't run. Every talk sh- Wendy Williams would be sued like no other if that shit if that was if that's real. How the fuck Wendy Williams got a show? How the, how, how, how the fuck did they? How does entertainment talk and rumorville become a thing? How does Jason Lee have Hollywood unlocked with this precedent that's now being set? Because you can get sued if you hurt somebody's feelings or they said something you didn't like. How does any of those establishments, how do any of those things continue to operate? That's how they do it. And they only gonna pick and choose who they want to do that to. They don't pick and choose. They don't like Alex Jones. He talking this um, Great Reset shit. Got a number one selling book about the Great Reset. They have been having info wars for twenty years. Kanye talking. They call him anti-Semitic. Make sure he can't suspend him from Twitter. Send him for that. Suspend him for this. So, hey, in a minute, if people keep being idle and let them get away with that, we won't even be able to talk freely. It's 1984. This is the makings of an authoritarian society. That is how it is done. Stupid niggas cheer that shit on. If you start cheering for shit like that, it's all, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. That means you didn't get people who want to be truthers who are trying to figure out the goddamn um, Texas, Oklahoma bombing or 9-11. You can get sued now because you question the official story of how that went. Because that's all Sandy Hook was. That's all the whole Sandy Hook shit was. He gave an alternative perspective of how that shit went down. They got a judgment of $945 million. Are you serious? But let me play this for you before I get out of here too. <laughs> let me play this for you real quick because I came up to this one too. 
This is the latest shit from Kanye talking to Brother Ben X. Yay, Noriega, apologize for your George Floyd comments. How do you feel about that? I feel like Black Lives Matter is like a warm water, it's a hot shower, and White Lives Matter is a cold shower. The funny thing about woke culture is like, woke culture is not really woke like that. A lot of times people, they they would rather just exist inside of the pain of a lie than deal with the harsh realities of the truth. But to look further, look at like JFK, uh, how many... Uh, documentaries there are on what happened there like as a people we are we are a sophisticated people that have to look in and be willing to challenge things that just take what the media has fed us the interview we had was amazing and the exact people who sent people in the street for black lives matter were able to derail the interview and a lot of the ideas just based off uh, the main comment. The um, I'm sorry, I'm distracted by these people honking over here. So, so um, with Nori, Nori is my brother. He's under a lot of pressure. If you look at the first thing it says, Nori does the interview with Rosenberg. But what's the exact thing I was saying? I said the Jewish media controls so many things. It's not all the Jewish people, but they're specifically. Uh, uh, Jewish people in the media that are in power that try to have, they, they bought the black voice, but they haven't been able to buy my voice. So instead, they blackballed me. They threatened people to not interview me. They threatened people to get away from me. They closed down my stadium. Love you too, family. Love you too. You said thinking, right? Appreciate you. Yes. They, they've done all this stuff for years, messing with me, just like poking at me like, calling me out of my name. My name is Ye. Anytime they say Kanye West, I change my name. It's like Cash is played to Ali. You respect me as a man, as an American, that my name is Ye. But I have the right to choose what my name is. So when media does that, it's already disrespectful. I love rappers. Rappers are artists. But when media calls me a rapper, specifically to not bring up the fact that I'm worth $11 billion, that I'm the richest black man of all time, that I'm a billionaire, that I'm a tycoon, that I'm a visionary. And if I say that, if I say those three things, then they'll say I'm a narcissist, right? But they push you down so much that you got to fight just to, to say who you are. You know, I, what I got from the documentary, from the, from the Candace Owens documentary was I felt like it was a setup. I felt that in the documentary, if you look at it, he told his roommates they want a tall guy like me. They want a tall guy like me. Well, who is they? I'm going to pose it as a question as opposed to, you know, giving you some kind of theory that I can't pinpoint. Uh, and this idea of these, these martyrs that we have, it's 14 kids who dying in Chicago every single day. And they have this uh, Jewish media, black media, trauma culture, trauma economy, the stuff that Charlemagne the God works for the stuff that Rosenberg works for, the stuff that academics, the guys, the academics. You got to understand, all these people that y'all listening to out here, I'm going to tell y'all, they're getting their check cut. You know, and y'all, I need y'all to really respect what I'm doing, the stuff that I'm doing and I'm staying online and love the fact, look, I got, I got money, I got my songs, 
I could go off and just go to, you know, Hawaii and live a nice life. That means that God has called me to sacrifice all of that in order to bring the truth. That's what I'm saying. They don't cut my check. You listen to people that's getting their check cut by Jewish media. George Soros, come and meet with me directly. I told you, you ain't going to send none of these people that you usually send. Charlemagne, we know all the names. Nori is a good guy. Like he said, he called me this morning. He said, maybe politics is a little bit too much for me. Everybody back up off of Nori. This is like he was giving a platform, right, which no one does. There's no free thought anymore. I give you one last bar before I, before I get on this flight. And, for the, and, and in order for us to evolve, we have to walk forward. The left leg moving forward is the idea. The right, man, the right leg moving forward is the actualization. I like the word actualization better than the execution. We need the idea. We need to be realized. We need the idea. We need to be realized. Right now, the thought police have us crawling. We have stopped evolving. We have to fight for free thought to say how we feel and act upon that. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> All right, y'all. With that being said, that is tonight's show. I'm 10 minutes over. Um, hope y'all enjoyed it. Didn't have no uh, structure, but hey, <laughs> it just be like that sometimes. So with that being said, um, good evening to everybody, and um, see y'all in a few. Peace. I forgot how to turn off the show. My bad. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right, fam. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.